It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy, with your hosts, Eric, Isaac, and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss the 2022 film, Avatar, The Way of Water. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, those in between unaffiliated. I guess happy winter solstice. We, we finally made it. It's now the shortest day of the year. Uh, so welcome to the winter. And by in celebration, we've also reached the final end, I guess. Uh, weirdly, I, I guess we'll go back to this film because like I'd like to watch it again at some point. I don't really know if I have my like 100% uh, accurate thing. But we're, yeah, we're talking about Avatar The Way of Water, which is... Well, in, at least in our part of the world, that would not be water at this point. It'd probably be frozen, but uh, and be very cold. Whereas, of course, over there, I want to see what the like the north part of Pandora looks like. There has to be a place that has snow. If they're like always in the equator, I, I got a call foul on Cameron. So, where's the snow? It has not come out in the expanded materials yet because I went through all the fifteen tribes that we know about um, from the expanded materials, and none of them, none of them are Arctic. Now, did. Cameron sign off on those uh, 15 tribes or at least I know there's a few tribes obviously but he's like is that what he created or was it somebody else who created it? I can't tell how much is from his like a, a, his official lore bible and and some stuff was certainly filled out for specific video games and things like that and comics yeah. so I don't know but it, I think it's all largely based upon this sort of encyclopedia that they essentially created with the first movie so i believe they're playing by the rule book that he helped establish i don't think they just completely like invented their own things like in a bubble so me personally i'm gonna go with the james cameron version on this of like since this <laughs> is like you know we've been seeing this notoriously throughout the years with like star wars i'm gonna just go with it because avatar is basically like the new star wars here because he wants to make five films. Like, he's pretty much doing what Lucas wanted to do. Um, but I'm going to say that whatever James Cameron has any involvement in, uh, it's going to be, you know, on him. Before we start Avatar Way of Water, by the way, well, first off, one, I, I'm assuming that the tribe that we meet in Way of Water, and I guess the island tribes uh, in general, they're not the people that, which makes sense, they're not the tribes that Jake went to get when he was gathering the tribes um, to like fight back against the RDA. Right, I believe so. Yeah, in right. Avatar, excuse me. Right, right. So, um, some some news, I guess, to, some follow-up, since this is still all about Jimmy. Um, there has been some news. I, I called it 
maybe two months late, but I called it. Ladies and gentlemen, those between affiliate, we're getting the 4K release of the Abyss. Yep, we're probably yes, we're probably getting the Abyss, uh, the first Avatar on physical medium 4K, yep. and even more recently, like this week, they also basically announced that titanic would be coming out in 4k home release as well this year so is it true 4k or is it that two that 2k that he was talking about wait what 2k was he talking about or was it was it that or i thought we had that conversation where he was going to do like a high frame rate or whatever it was on on uh titanic oh he is okay yeah he's a, he's including with with action scenes just like with what he did with uh avatar the way of water he's going to be inserting that in okay and same with Avatar, the, the first one. Interest. Okay, so that's what it was. Got it. Yeah, but let's start with... Actually, you know what? I'll, actually, I'll start with Eric, because I'm curious. Eric, uh, did you see this in, in high frame rate in 3D? Or did you see it just regular 3D or non-3D at all? I, I saw it initially IMAX 3D. I assumed it was going to be in high frame rate because it was... The same theater that I saw the entire um, Hobbit trilogy. Well, I should say the same auditorium where I saw the whole Hobbit trilogy in high frame rate 3D. So I assumed this would be as well. Mm -hmm. But no, no high frame rate, um, just IMAX 3D, which was fine, by the way. <laughs> um, and then I saw it again in standard 2D. And. I guess I'm going to see it next week, and I'm going to see it in a high frame rate. But obviously, that hasn't happened yet. That's in the future. Hmm. Yeah, and I saw it once in uh, not in 3D and not in high frame rate, just standard. Um, and then last night, me and Isaac, we saw it um, in 3D and high frame rate. And now I'll start with you, Isaac. Isaac, what were your initial thoughts on this this film? We didn't discuss it at all. No. As we walked out of the cinema, we, we purposely avoided. No, it. I. What did I say to you? What what did I forget what I said to you uh, initially? I can't remember. <laughs> um, my initial thoughts of this film. I didn't write this. Uh, um, uh, I did like it. I'm not gonna not say I didn't like it. Uh, I saw some cracks in the mirror. It's not a perfect film. Not that I think it was trying to be a perfect film story wise. Um, definitely a lot smaller in scale, uh, which is probably nice. Doesn't involve the entire. Uh, <laughs> I guess forest clans if we're looking at the last film coming together uh, to stop you know one one plant or all the humans from you know wiping their culture out uh, there's a few th there's there's obviously some uh, questions I have about it and I don't know if they'll be alleviated in the sequels because that's where we literally are with this um, but yeah I, I'm certainly feeling it and uh, yeah I saw the uh, <laughs> uh, if anybody complains hereafter about like oh this person like looks like a video game character in a in a movie or in a yeah in a movie like their face looks like it's a because they're using uh what is it um deep fakes or you know uh face technology like that they, they, they're wrong because i literally saw a video game on screen today or i mean last night uh circa 2022 yes and i i guess i'll jump the line just to give my initial thoughts because that definitely ties in um, when I saw it the first time, I saw it with my, my partner, Brianna, and her friend. Her friend's a giant fan of the first Avatar, and she walked out being like, oh, I really like this one. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think this is maybe is good or maybe a tiny bit better than that first one. 
And my partner just hated it. She was like, oh, there was a, a part when I just wanted to walk out because it was like nonstop action. And it was going on for like 40 minutes. And so she was done. And I could definitely feel some of that. Um, but it didn't really bother me on my first viewing. But seeing it the second time in high frame rate, especially, some of that action, I don't know if you felt this, Isaac, but it was so chaotic on screen, the way it was moving. And I found it really jarring how, even within a scene, we would, we would like see two people walking, we would cut to a reaction shot, then we'd cut back to them walking and suddenly it was in high frame rate. I found that really jarring. And the extended action scenes at the end started to really get to me in that, that second viewing. Um, but but overall, I, I like this story more, and I like especially the new characters a hell of a lot more than I ever liked Jake Sully. Um, I think the kids breathe a new life into the, the series, and I hope they focus more on them. And just kind of leave Natiri and Jake behind, because they're really kind of, especially Natiri, kind of dead weight in this one. Um, and we, we can discuss how we feel about the villain plot. I, I still don't know how I feel about all that stuff. That's kind of strange to me, but... But overall, I do think this one is... I liked it more than that first one. But, but to you, Eric. I think... Initial thought... Um, overall... I think I liked it. Overall, I think it's... I think it's a better movie than the first one. But I'm mainly talking about the overall story. Um... Overall, I like the second one more than the first one, but something that the new one lacked for me that the first one had was the first one had that feel of, oh my god, like much more groundbreaking just as a, an initial exposure to Pandora and what they accomplished with the technology. That was largely gone for me with the second one. Also intertwined with that was that the 3d completely blew me away when i saw mm. the first one and the 3d was almost neither here nor there for me yeah. in this new movie which i was not expecting to have that feeling um and so that was weird uh um i also really really appreciated the kids more than i would have maybe expected because because I could see how done differently I could hate the kids especially the younger ones um, but that was not the case with, with the way it actually came out in this movie um, yeah uh, I mean that's, that's my initial thought but I have not tons of other thoughts and deeper ones too yeah and I, I hate to exclude you because you haven't seen the, the high frame rate but I forgot to mention my initial thoughts that I, I kept thinking, especially during the big end fights, I just, I couldn't escape feeling like, wow, this looks identical to a motion capture uh, cutscene in a video game. I, I was constantly thinking of um, Hellblade. Or what's that game called, Isaac? Do you... Yeah, Hellblade. Yes, uh, Sinuous Sacrifice. Yes. Oh, it looked exactly like that. It was stunning to be seeing a a theatrical release movie that looked identical to a video game. Uh, did, did you feel any of that as well? Or or no? I don't know. Uh, yeah, so what I was really thinking of was some of the recent like Sony uh, uh, exclusives. So like you look at Horizon Forbidden West, you look at God of War Ragnarok, 
uh, I guess the last one, like Last of Us Part Two. These look like because, especially since they were spouting, oh, these are 60 FPS games. Now I don't remember actually if uh, some of those were 60 FPS. But you look at Doom 2016, I don't know if Eternal is uh, 60 FPS, but you look at any game with 60 FPS in it, and you're like, oh my goodness, this literally looks like uh, it's, you know, or, or the, the frame rate is beautiful and whatnot, and so many PC gamers are always, like, touting it must be 60 FPS or higher, uh, or else it's inferior. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, the Maglev scene in the beginning, um, I thought was actually a little like i i have to show my hand it wasn't actually that great of a shot i know a lot of people will say that but it's like as a gamer i've seen like that scene where it's like a derailing scene uh train cart derailment some of those cutscenes in those games where it's just again spectacle big action set piece yeah uh those look like there's a lot more like you can see some of the machines fall apart all the objects actually like crumple and and break off that I really didn't see. It almost seemed like it was wasn't fully rendered yet. I, I also, which I I, sus I suspect that your your uh, one of your negatives will be alleviated in the next film, but we'll see. But sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say I also was thinking a similar thing, Rouse. Like, wow, you know, this looks exactly like a, a video game. It's running like one. The characters walking around, I can tell, look like the same as they do with with mocap in these video games. And I was also thinking, like, but somehow this looks less detailed and less, uh, like, there was less time put in, which is strange to think. Because I imagine they put in plenty of plenty of time into this movie, but... Thirteen years! <laughs> now, again, I didn't see the high frame rate, or haven't yet, but I didn't hardly see anything of what y'all are talking about at all. Like, none of it looked like a video game, especially not when I was watching it in IMAX 3D. Um, but... Because watching it 2D without the polarized lenses, so like the the more brightness, there was a few times where the rendering of the Navi, it wasn't their mocap, but it was just the way they looked. Um, there was just a few times where they looked a little bit cartoony CGI-ish, um, uh, but not very many but i couldn't see it that i wouldn't be i couldn't tell with the glasses on so none of that was perceivable when i was watching it in 3d it was only when i watched it in 2d that was there a few times where the navi looked kind of cartoony or rubbery or something yeah and i'll i'll say uh i didn't have any of those video game thoughts when i was watching it in 2d it's especially or i should say it's solely the the high frame rate stuff that looks identical because again, the, the video games too, they don't go for the cinematic frame rate. They go more for a high frame. So, And the only thing I can relate it to is, like I said, I saw the three Hobbit movies in high frame. And during the crazy action sequences, it didn't necessarily look like a video game. Well, well yeah, video games aren't that good yet. Um, but it, it definitely didn't look real. Like... Okay, it looked like a video game technology that didn't exist yet, I guess. Is, I guess I could say it's that way. Um, so I can understand that, at least from the Hobbit movies. And for you, Isaac, this, this was actually one of the benefits of the high frame rate. Because I'll say I didn't like it almost at all throughout the movie. I was really jarred every time it would happen. Especially if it wasn't on uh, CGI animated. Like, there was a few times when Spider would like be banging against a window or something or yelling and suddenly it would switch into high frame rate just for that moment 
and I would just be jarred out like, what, what is going on? Why are they doing it so arbitrarily? But whenever we were underwater and it was in high frame rate, oh, it just looked stunning. It, it looked so much more real. The, like the texture of the Navi skin looked so much more genuine. And during that end fight with Korich and, uh, and Jake, when he was like strangling him, I was like, this doesn't even look like CGI. This looks like genuine skin. And I was curious if they're wearing masks or something. So I was like, wow, this just looks incredible. But I definitely did not think that watching it in uh, standard or standard rate frame rate. There were several times when they did close-ups on the Navi skin where in both versions that I watched, it looked like real sentient, or not sentient, but um, bio biological skin. Um, which was, that was pretty freaky because it wasn't Uncanny Valley. It was, it was, re I don't know what you would call that. Photorealistic? Hyperval. It was real. It was, re it looked like it was real looking. Like it was like, that's real. But I know it's not real. But there was one thing that stood out. And it's very minuscule in the movie. But there was one thing that stood out as, as a step backwards as far as CGI. And it's really weird, and I'll be really curious to see it again, like at home or something. But there's this one part where, at the beginning, you know, Jake is getting us caught up on what's transpired. Um, and it's the scene where his firstborn is having his first communion with, with the tree. And and it, they, they show, like, the umbilical connection and whatever. And I didn't notice this in the 3D viewing, but in the 2D viewing, so they're doing the whole ceremony and all Jake's friends are like in the background, they're all there. And Norm is there in his human form and he's wearing like that face mask thing. Um, and the, the shot is set up so that the, the baby and whomever, they're in the foreground in focus and everybody else is, is out of focus. But Norm, looks like a crude CG human in the back, reminding me of the early Harry Potter movies, like when Harry would like fall <laughs> off the broomstick or something, and it was that horrible early 2000s CG. That's what Norm looked like in the background. And I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? <laughs> like, why does he look like a weird CGI cartoon human? And it's only on screen for half a second. But look for that. It's, it's it's bizarre. Yeah, and since you brought up Norm, I was going to ask how we feel that the returning characters were, were treated. Like Norman, that's that other guy, the other scientist. Max. I feel like they were just kind of cameos, really. Which is okay. They would they didn't have much uh, use in the script. But I, I really do think that uh, it's kind of surprising that Zoe Saldana came back for this one. Because, I mean, they don't really give her anything to do. The character is so flat. I was like, wow, I, I didn't much care for this character in the first movie, but in this one, she's like a complete afterthought. Uh, how'd you guys feel like that that stuff was handled? Similar to what you just said about like Norman Max. So, and this gets into something I think we'll talk about more later. But because from what I've seen with these two movies, this whole like images forming in my brain on what I'm kind of expecting for the whole entire series as five is what they're saying it's going to be now if all if plans work work out so I'm kind of like I have this image of what I think the five movie series is going to be 
um, and my brain is comparing it to other big epics like that. So that being said, I guess it makes it's fine. It seems like it's fine to me. Like just the same way you said it's okay for for Norman Max to basically be in the background, the Terry being much more in the background. I wouldn't have expected it coming into this movie, but now that I've seen it all, I'm perfectly fine with it. And I think she'll either get more to do in a forthcoming sequel, or maybe she won't at all, because that's where the story's going to go. But either way, I'm totally fine with it, and I'm totally fine. And she certainly still had her significant moments in this movie. Um, But again, I know it wasn't to the satisfaction to a lot of people, because a lot of people love her from the first one. Or a lot of people, because you better believe I've watched a lot of other reviews and reactions to this now. Um, a lot of people felt that she was the best performer or actor overall in this movie, and it and it angered them even more that you know that her role is so condensed. Wait, in this one? Um, in this one. Oh, interesting. Um, but for me personally, and thinking about what I imagine the entire narrative is going to be. It's perfectly okay to like sideline someone in this kind of way, because, um, because Cameron obviously has an idea where this all is going. So with so many characters already anyway in this movie, it's just I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, no issue for me. So I hopped on to you know Google News just to see you know. I was going just checking like you know Google and seeing like you know what articles were coming up and whatnot, and yeah, of course because I was been recently like getting into James Cameron because you know we're doing a series for Pete's sakes. Uh, I was they, they had a lot of articles for me about this film. Now I'm happy about that because a lot of these are direct quotes from him. I don't know how many if, if I'm pretty sure he's remembering these like quotes, so it's coming from like word of mouth from these people unless they've like manipulated the narrative of their article so that it's not the truth. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just, just going with that. But but what it, uh, to add to what Eric said, um, Cameron is very heavily inspired by Jackson with the first Lord of the Rings series, or the first three of the trilogy, excuse me, uh, yeah. where they had books. He had books to go to. Uh, even if, like, you know, the all the cast, cause, and, and not only that, just also filming uh, them all at once, uh, especially for the kids. Uh, he was yeah. a mid-mention of that. Um, but he wanted to give the actors, which, you know, fair enough, he wanted to give the actors um, scripts to, like, oh, yeah, maybe, as Eric said, you're not uh, in, heavily involved in, in here, uh, so your characters don't have much to do here, but, like, again, in a, in a like, a, if you consider this, like, a book, uh, your characters will do more stuff over here. And I sort of got that last night, but... Honestly, to, to be honest with you, I was like, okay, there's a lot of, like, stuff left off the table here that I assume he's going to put into a, uh, a, a director's cut, and it turns out I found the article that I wanted, and there is no uh, director's cut of this film. At least he has no plans, according to the producer of the film, John Landau. Um, he's like, nope, we can make a nine-hour nine movie and split it into several parts, or we can do a, uh, what is it? Or we can just do like a, add more. So he's like, no, we're gonna do like the nine-hour movie. And I'm like, goodness gracious me! So, 
I assume a lot of this stuff and the fact that they abandoned their tribe so early on, um, that will be talked about later on in the in the in the uh, preceding sequel. Excuse me. Yeah, I guess I guess that's fair. Uh, for me, just for this, because I don't know what the sequels look like. Who knows even if we're gonna get any past three. Just for this one movie, it it kind of feels like. Natiri especially was more of a just a tool in that first movie, a way to introduce us to the to the world, or to be the uh, introductory character for Jake. And I guess I guess for this one, they just didn't really have much for to do. And so that was too bad. I was look, look I was hoping that they would give her more, and I would feel like I liked that character more. But at this point, I'm just kind of like ah, no, I I just couldn't care less about her. I I do agree with you. I know I didn't I didn't I didn't say that, but yeah, I was very much in the theater last night being like what's her reaction to having to basically like move like how does yeah. how does she feel about this like the fact that she's now in a culture shock maybe not full on culture culture shock well i guess it is yeah full on culture shock of now she's dealing with a different like subspecies of of navi who are like water based how does she feel about this given that she's forest based and we didn't really get that yeah you know they even we get a whole extended like maybe like 30 or 40 minute section of the movie where it's just them adapting to this new culture we don't see any of her adapting it's everyone else she's just at home and eventually we see her swimming with the others but we never saw her tackling the swimming or trying to learn how to ride these these sea creatures all that stuff was just completely absent and i thought uh, they actually did her a disservice in the sense that she has a very dramatic moment at the end of the movie where her character does something that's could be like questionable i mean it's understandable but it's like kind of a darker move yep and now it's like i don't feel like i like this character enough for me to go with her in this moment like i get what they're i get what she's doing i understand the character motivation but i just don't really like this character enough to give her the pass on this one i'm like kind of kind of fuck her in this moment i don't know if you guys felt it some other way or <laughs> yeah well not only that but they didn't like talk about it like yeah it's just brushed over that's the yeah that's the biggest thing is like i was even with you on that i'm like now i want them to talk about that but they didn't now and again i'm sorry if i'm going with the whole like oh just wait till the sequel isn't that the whole reason i quit marvel it's like yeah that's fair um this is different in that he's telling a story um but at the same time yes i will still uh treat it as you would with like treat this as a single individual story they did not do that uh, for this movie itself, they did not talk about that moment of like she has Spider by the um, by the neck basically with her knife, and she's using him as leverage to make Avatar or Navi Quaritch stand down. Um, and Spider doesn't talk about this afterwards, and Theory doesn't talk about this. Jake doesn't talk about this either, and that I have a problem with because if they talked about it, I think. I wouldn't say things would be alleviated, but at least you can talk. Like at least you can say at least it was brought up. Yeah, and it would, it, it could potentially flesh out Natiri just a tiny bit more, which is next to nothing in this this installment. I mean, the last time we saw Natiri with a human doing that, like, or, like what I, what I mean is like last time we saw her with a human, she was seeing Jake for the first time, like his real self at the very end of the last film and you know she repeated the words like i see you um and this not that she didn't see like you know norm or max or any of the other scientists there um but you know what i mean like she we last time we like obviously she put two arrows through Korich, but mm-hmm. here it's like now she's gonna you know put, 
got a knife to uh, th this adoptive son, even though she probably doesn't see him as that. Well, okay, that's a key point right there, because I was going to say, I have no issues with any of this, what you guys are talking about right now. I mean, the fact that they didn't resolve or discuss it or react yet, I have no issues with any of that, because I feel like, yeah, it's going to be explored anyway in the future, and I'm fine. But the one thing they did hammer home with, with as much limited um, use that Terry had um, throughout the movie, the one thing they did hammer, though, whenever she did appear was that she really really does not like spider at all at all at all and so um so since they made a point of bringing that up in in all practically all of her limited screen time i think that that says what needs to be said for now yeah and i, I thought that aided in making her even more unlikable I can see that, but I'm fine with it. I mean, if if she if she does come off as unlikable now, I mean, I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, I was. It, it makes it worse for me considering that uh, all, we have all these different characters in this, and we have so, so many more interesting dynamics going on. Almost every other dynamic f feels interesting and feels uh, more fleshed out than any any of the things we got in that first movie. And it just feels like she's the one thing that they kind of didn't flesh out in that first movie, didn't flesh out in this one. And so it's just kind of like, ah, it's just kind of a, a wasted character there. But since we brought up Spider, how, how'd you guys feel the retcon sort of thing was handled? With uh, suddenly Korich had this son that we didn't know about running around on the base. Did that feel natural enough for you guys? Or, or the fact that he was uh, apparently had this avatar back of, of himself? Do those things feel natural enough? Um... Well, that's, that's kind of two big things, but uh, yes. <laughs> well, I was perfectly fine with okay. This human got left behind. Got it. Now I know how he exists. Um, it was a bit of a surprise to me to learn later that um, Court was his father. But after seeing the whole movie, okay, I, I see what they're doing here. Um, and then, so the retconning of of the, the memories or whatever for the Quaritch character. So the short answer is yes, I'm fine with it. But the expanded answer is, so, you know, I had no idea who was going to be in this movie. And even when early in the movie, you see them waking the Colonel, I thought they were waking a new, a brand new Colonel character, not Quaritch in an avatar body um and even when i saw them saw the character and they were like colonel colonel it's okay it's just us um because initially and even a little bit now it doesn't when i saw the the way the avatar looks its face the quaritch avatar it didn't really look like quaritch to me um i actually thought uh when, when the character first woke and, and spoke, I actually thought it was this British actor, Vinnie Jones. Oh, yeah, um, I can see it. Snatch. Because I even thought it was a British accent or something. Um, and so I thought, oh, this is that British guy. Oh, he's in this movie. They're mo-capping him. It took me a little bit, probably when later um, the Quaritch avatar was having a a conversation with the new general 
that it finally sank in. Oh shit, this is actually supposed to be Quaritch himself. All that was a surprise to me. Didn't see it coming. Didn't even know he was in the cast of the movie until I was watching the movie. Um, but as far as like, am I okay with it? Like, am I fine with accepting this retcon? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's any more difficult or it's much easier to accept than let's say the things that come off as retcons like in the original Star Wars trilogy whether it's the father reveal of Darth Vader or the part where um, Obi-Wan has to say well from a certain point of view you know or Leia like those are are bigger leaps I get as an audience member those in Star Wars than accepting these so short answer is it's fine works for me yeah yeah and and, and I, I accept it as well I think it ultimately plays like like throughout the movie it ultimately plays okay but i do think uh it definitely as i was watching it initially watching that scene where they have uh the courage uh, much older looking a version of him on the thing telling him oh i implanted my implanted my memories right before he went to this big battle and don't forget if you gotta get revenge on someone go after that jake sully he's at the top of the list i was like uh this this doesn't quite maybe we could have just had them tell him I don't know if I needed this scene here. It makes it more obvious that this was retroactively inserted. But I do like the dynamic with Spider and um, and Korich having to kind of repeat the, the journey of Jake a little bit. Uh, learning how to fly and stuff like that. I thought that was fun and trying to learn the Navi culture. I thought that stuff worked well enough. Uh, so I'm with you in that... One, is even like the way... Stephen Lang's performance when he's uh, you know in the scene or he, when he's recording in the recording there didn't I don't know if it felt like Quaritch in like the last film. What do you think, Caleb? I think I feel like no. it was a, he was putting on a different <laughs> performance. Something like there's almost sympathy or like he's he didn't feel like a jarhead or whatever. He felt like a like a nice guy even though he was a, unless that was like what Cameron wanted. Where it's just like here's a before we were only seeing the side of Quaritch who was nasty. Here's like his nice side. Yeah, either way, it, it definitely did feel like a different type of performance. It did. And when Giovanni Ribisi showed up, and he looked a lot older, and he was playing it a little rusty, too, like, it, since we watched that first one in such close succession, I was also like, his performance feels a little bit different, too, and it was kind of like, ah, yeah, maybe maybe we just should have cut that little video bit. I don't know. <laughs> I know why. I know why. Um, so that was interesting. I'm not saying Glang did a bad job. I think... I think he did good acting. I don't know what you think, Caleb. You're always the one on on, on you're, you're the one to be like. I don't know if he was acting good or not. Oh, I think he was much better in this one than the first movie. Definitely think that. Okay, fair enough. It only it only took him to become a Navi to do that, but and it helps. It helps that they gave the character a lot more to do in terms of having that relationship with Spider. Made made him a little more complicated. That's true. And his uh, hatred for Jake had more uh, pathos to it. A little more substance than that first movie. That and also his wife, given that. She, well, I, I mean, I like the recurring theme of arrows. Whenever he saw the feathers, uh, yeah. at the on the bottom of the arrows, I was like, ah, okay, I like what Cameron's doing there. Something I haven't really seen. Yeah, he had this. He had like this moment of like being lost. Like it just pulled him back to that moment and made him scared. I thought that worked. Even though, even though it did not, uh, it, it didn't have any effect on the character itself, because as they state purely, this is before his death. Um, so... Well, he, 
He saw the video. He saw the video, but, uh, oh yeah, I guess the dash cam footage, there you go. Uh, rather than having, like, you know, uh, the, the memories of Quaritch dying, but yeah, you're right. So he didn't yeah. experience them, but he sort of experienced them from, like, uh, yeah, a third-person perspective. And it was nice because it, it made Natiri seem like a bigger badass. Oh, okay. So it's like, oh, she's the one that killed me. Because he, he highlights her arrows and he's always looking at them. Yep. So it's kind of like he has this, this tension with her in particular. So I thought that dynamic was was developed well. Now, yeah, let me let me tackle this, like, you know, one at a time, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. So the, the, cl the cloning and or the... Um, how to put this <laughs> uh putting him into an avatar oh boy uh this screams red versus blue season was it eight to ten and then it also screams before that obviously neon genesis evangelion uh where spoilers for all those uh the character of ray is just um commander ikari's deceased wife um uh yui excuse me and she <laughs> that's that basically they took he somehow took the soul and put it into like a clone almost and there's many different versions of said clone of ray uh thankfully caleb you'll not remember this when we eventually do neon genesis <laughs> aliens so it's perfect sure. um but and there's failed experiments of ray so there's different versions of her so i feel like cameron even though he's not tapping he's not going to that but i'm he kind of has the anime moment of like oh man so basically, the fact that we can copy human consciousness, which is like a big thing. So it, it's so weird how I'm, this is just a tangent. This is another tangent, but like it's so weird that we 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 can now clone consciousness in a way, and we can put them into like these engineered um, beings, like the, these engineered lab engineered lab experiments. What's to say they can't just clone humans by this point? If they can grow Navi, why haven't we uh -huh. like cloned ourselves? And then the other thing is that if we're instead of un unobtainium we're getting uh like pandora whale um stem cells or, or brains brain fluid to like become immortal which reminds me of like what was it spider-man one or two or, or the amazing spider-man one or two i think it was amazing <laughs> yes. spider-man one um like why haven't we just started cloning each other like this is literally like a blade runner future the fact that you can copy basically you can control c uh, a person's consciousness and put it into like a new uh, Clint. Sorry, I'm breaking the whole movie. Um, but anyways, no, you're not breaking anything. Well, just getting off the getting getting off. Yeah, but getting getting on. I was gonna say, because uh, I was I wondered. I was like, I don't know if they have the technology to implant this into the avatars. So I was like, is there a computer bank, just like broadcasting this into them, or did they really just completely implant the personality? No, I believe it's infused into the being of the. The creature or the clone or whatever also how long is an av like how long is a navi a fully fledged navi by the way i just i just realized that like how long does it take for them to be born yeah because like well it can't be more than a year because of the age of his kids and the amount of time that has passed yeah because how long was his brother's one for or how long did his brothers take to make because like uh wasn't it like was it five years or something? Especially if they're going with relativity, like you're talking about the Avatar clones. Yeah, the Avatar. Sorry, yeah, the not the Navi, the Avatar. Pardon me. Seriously, yeah. Why have we we just made like human avatars? Well, it seems like it took. It seems like it took longer, at the time of the, of the Jake clone, and it seems like they've probably got it down faster by the time the Quaritch clone comes around. Yeah, and just out of curiosity, 
have you guys uh do you guys know what the the time gap is like how long it's supposed yes. to be yes uh it's it's 15 years and if you know all the if you know all the ages of all the kids yeah it totally makes sense because spider is the oldest kid because he was born before the battle the final battle of the first movie mm. so spider is 16 in this movie jake's oldest son is 15 yeah and if there's one thing i will say um that both times i watched the movie i had no idea what the kids names were i knew the little kid's name was uh Tuke, but i couldn't catch any of the other names of any of the new characters not the kids the the new oh, i got kira navi people kira who's that Tuke and kira i got actually it's kiri okay kiri yeah, it's it almost sounds like Kitty almost, but it's Kitty. Right, right, right. Oh, Kitty. Oh, yeah. That's what I kept thinking. I was like, it sounds like Kitty if you're talking about the Sigourney Weaver one. Yes, yes. But I wasn't sure if I was getting it right. <laughs> so that's too bad. Um, I remember there was those kind of, uh, kind of shallow complaints. People being like, Avatar. Oh, it's been you know ten years since I saw it, and I can't remember any of the character names. I guarantee you people are going to have that with this one, too, because we can keep track of these names. <laughs> Fair oh, certainly they will. But but people had that issue with the original, with even, like, the humans. Because people were like, because I saw videos, like, you know, can you name, like, um, Jake's friend, the scientist guy? And, like, and so I'm the freak that, like, learned all their names back in 2009. So I know I'm a, an exception to the rule. Yeah, and it doesn't, it does make you, it, it was a really shallow complaint. If you really apply that to general blockbusters across the boards without sequels i mean come on you're you're gonna be in that similar camp yeah that's also true but definitely this one i think it did have a name problem and i wish that that was more uh clarified because I, I found it difficult to keep track well i think it's a, it's a little bit like not exactly but it's a little bit like a lot of the characters in the uh, house of dragons like because the targaryens so many of their names are the same or sound the same. Mm. <laughs> um, that's the way a lot of these Navi names are, because a lot of them sound real similar to our untrained ears. So that makes that yeah. even more difficult. Because like, um, what is Tuke's entire name? Because Tuke is just what her name is like for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. So it's Tuke Tree Tuke Tree D T Sully Suli. Okay, Nip maybe it's Kiri maybe it's maybe maybe it's Kiri's full name uh, is actually the one I was. Hers is Kiri T Sully Kiri Okay, so the re I think is spelled R E Y, um, and see, there's a lot of that sound or like in a lot of the Natiri. I mean Natiri. Oh my god, <laughs> in the Navi names because because there's Kiri, and then like. The girl from the island family or the reef family, she's like Siraya, but on paper it looks like Ray. It's spelled the same. And then like Natiri is Natiri. And then like the chief of the um, reef tribe is Tanari. So there's a lot of reason rays. There's a lot of reason rays, is what I'm trying to say in the Navi culture. So that makes it difficult, I guess, to our ears. But to be fair, I had the same troubles with like, you know, like Vietnamese names or Chinese names, um, or don't get me started on the Hawaiian language in general, how it just sounds like everything's the same syllable over and over again. You mean the Polynesians? No, I was speaking about Hawaiians in particular. 
I don't know about all the Polynesians. Yeah, and when I when I watched it a second time, I was really trying to keep track. I was like, okay, I'm gonna. Anytime they introduce a new character, I'm gonna listen really close to hear what the name is. And I still kept missing them or forgetting them. So that did kind of. I was kind of like, ah, that's because I don't even know the my favorite character in the movie. I don't know what their name is. <laughs> well, do you know what their relationship is? Yeah, it's the 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 younger brother of the Jake Sully clan. Um, oh, the Jake Sully clan. Oh, okay. Loak, or Lo- yeah, Loak T Sully I can't say these names. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I couldn't learn their names either. But I, I think the brother who didn't die. Yes, the brother didn't die. I consider myself successful that I could discern like the different faces of all the different kids, including the yes, Reese kids. Absolutely. So I think that was enough points scored for me. Um. So I didn't actually give you my my, my, my opinions, by the way, Parallel. I'm sorry. It's not surprising, but yeah, go ahead. I didn't. I, hey, hey, I have, I have <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I just went into a tangent of, like, you know, started going off on a tangent, getting navel-gazing. Anyway, um, so let's see. So, yeah, with, with Quaritch being uh, a Navi now, uh, well, okay, well, it's a perversion of the, you know, creating a putting a person into a culture now because instead of like piloting evangelians in a way which i didn't make that joke last in our in our like avatar commentary but instead of piloting evangelians or more biological evangelians or actually no sorry no it's a genlock joke that's what it is because genlock yeah exactly you can pilot uh we can remotely pilot a, a mech instead or at least a giant robot here it's just piloting like a biological creature Sorry, anyways, I am. Yeah, get um, on with it. Get on with it. Get on with it. Get on with it. Anyway, um, so with... Dang it, I'm breaking character. Um, I remember one of the quotes that Lang had said, I think either in like 2011 or 12, uh, when Cameron, I guess, was still working on the script. Uh, he was quoted as saying... And maybe Cameron already had this idea up and he just told Lang, he's like, I come back in an interesting manner. So when I initially thought of like, oh, how is, how is, um, Quaritch going to come back? Is he also going to have a twin, twin brother, Tom, like Sully did or like Jake had, um, because that would just be kind of stupid. Uh, I did not in my wildest dreams imagine that it was going to be like this. I was like, so I was actually pleasantly surprised. I'm like, okay, they're going with this angle don't know if this like makes me question things but at the same time if it's been 15 years i could totally see them being able to do this very convenient that they were able to do that and i'm like well shoot shouldn't have grace known this and then just backed herself up and stuck it in the avatar like what the heck like why 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 didn't we do this well the thing about that though because i heard some people saying like why do they care about this liquid coming out of the the whales if they already have this technology to pass memories onto a new body it should be obvious why that's not the same thing oh because some people were saying that's essentially immortality to take your memories and put them into a new body but it's not not. because yeah the original still dies (laughs) oh but because uh because isaac brought up that um that now the world in avatar doesn't age the humans who can afford this uh this whale brain liquid I, I like that they moved away from the unobtainium just to avoid using that kind of silly name and to to refocus since we're not going to be in the force anymore now the main uh 
thing they're going to need is from their new tribe, their their water tribe. So I thought that was all smart. I think it's all smart for the reasons you said, but I also have a feeling it's going to play a lot more into the overall theme and plot as as we move forward. Yeah, that, that could be. More than unobtainium whatever would. Yeah, that could be. Um, But yeah, no, I did think the, the kind of one-off line of, like, it stops aging, like, stops it flat out. I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, this does need to be more explored or else it does feel a little bit silly like the unobtainium did too. It's kind of like, yeah, I don't know how that, wouldn't that like fundamentally change this whole society? Like, how does that, how does that work? It could. So we'll see if, if they develop that. But. Well, it's funny you say that because I think where we're going by the end of this entire series is fundamentally changing human society as it exists in this world. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be interesting if they develop more of the what the human society actually looks like because I feel like I know very little of it at this point. Right, we're all in that same camp. It's Earth is sort of like the Coruscant in this series, and all signs point to we will get to Earth eventually. Yeah, and speaking of the the, the uh, human characters, uh, we have this new general. Um, She's, I guess they've got even this whole new like city that they've built there. This this whole kind of thriving area. Absolutely. Uh, and I like that. I thought the Navi were kind of uh, a little negligent allowing that to, to thrive like that, but maybe it just wasn't affecting any of the like populated areas. But I was like, oh, that's a big fuck up there. Well, I think also it was just, well, okay. I think because the way things are laid out for the humans on Pandora. They came in so big when they when they returned to Pandora. Mm. They came in so big and so fast that just them landing, you know, was almost like a, a nuclear attack yeah. in of itself. That's fair. And then once they already established this new like capital city or whatever it is, I think the best the Navi could do is what we see them do, which is derail a train. In other words, if you equate this back like to American slash native people history it'd be like saying why couldn't the natives like rally and like take out new york city or something like in 1720 you know it's like no like they it that's it's already like it's already too late as soon as it's begun you know like once the industrious industriousness of the europeans or the the european colonists like once it really you know took hold i mean that there's no getting rid of it completely yeah at that point i guess the first time the first movie was like the initial settlements and they came back with full bore the second time around uh what do you think of this uh this general character limited in the movie uh we'll see her more in the other in the other movies but i obviously here she was i think she was set up but she's just like the one that gives the assignment to forage uh navi and uh, yeah, he'll report back to her afterwards. Uh, I do like the fact that uh, when they were interrogating uh, Spider, uh, what is it, Lake Lao guy style? Yeah. Uh, I thought <laughs> when he was like, "Let me give, uh, let me give a personal touch," and I liked that she already knew. Like, she went with, "He's not your son." I was like, I like that they she put that card on the table of like she knows about the relationship between these two. Um, yeah. whether that was like 
foresight on her part or that was just Cameron I, I don't know but like yeah very obviously limited in the in the movie and we'll see here later it's so funny because apparently this was filmed four years ago uh, according to the actor she did an interview with I think it was View or something like that and she's like oh yeah I did this like role like four years ago and I heard nothing about it so I just assumed it did ter terribly the movie I mean excuse me yeah it actually I'll say more about that in a second about the, the time difference but for me okay she's just like the emperor you know showing her face like in empire strikes back which is perfectly fine now i saw a lot of people react the, those who are negative on this movie this is one of their talking points oh and then they introduce this general character who we barely see in the movie da -da -da. and look yes obviously she's gonna have a bigger role to play down the road and we're just barely getting introduced to her. i mean that seems obvious by design and I'm okay with it. And I don't understand people putting this on their on their list of faults in the movie. Cause I don't know if it's because everyone's I don't know. Everyone expects this to be this very singular movie, fully constructed on its own merits, which actually I think it is. But they feel that they feel that like, you know, having a loose chad like this, or like the other thing about how are you gonna deal with spiders saving um Quaritch. Um and 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 yes these people who are negative about the movie, they know that, yeah, we get it. They're planting seeds for the sequels. But they also refer to it being as like, um, that, you know, Marvel does when it plants these unanswered questions to get you into the next movie. And so they equate it to that. And I don't think that's fair because I don't think it's the same as Marvel no. planting things like that. I, I don't really think it's that way. And also... Now, to be fair, I was a lot younger back then, but I don't remember anyone coming out of Empire Strikes Back going, what? Who's this Emperor character? We need to expand upon him. We need, what? There needed to be more explanation. Um, like, well, no, it's like waited for the next movie, and there he was. Well, none of these things happen in a vacuum. Um, I, of course, with this, this minor character, I don't think it's enough to complain. But I totally understand people's backlash to that type of storytelling because we've had so many failures over the years. So many uh, movies that are clearly like, oh, come back for the sequel and we'll explore these things. And then the sequels never come. And then it's just this this kind of dead end in these movies. Oh, that is true. So I totally get people complaining like, hey, give us self-contained stories. We don't want the this mummy. Kind of feeding us. Now, that is true. And that is garbage when it happens. But... This is different because it seems like, well, at least to me, and, I, and I'll and eat crow if this all turns out to be wrong, but it seems to me this will be delivered in this series eventually. But also, that being said, even though there are these hanging chads in this movie, I still feel, even with those, like, if Avatar franchise went out of business and it ended now, and, and 3 wasn't in the can... This still is, for the most part, I feel, a, a fully wrapped up self-contained story overall. For the most part, yeah, except for the intentional cliffhanger at the end there. Yeah, some plot points still there. Well, see, I don't even feel that as a cliffhanger, but I get what you're saying. Well, I mean, what else would it be, really? <laughs> Unresolved plot points, that's what I mean, sorry. I don't, I don't think it's a cliffhanger. It's just like, yeah, the, this is, again, it, I don't know. But just, just like I wouldn't call it a cliffhanger... Like when Death Darth Vader says, I'm your father. I mean, yeah, we want to know more explanation, but I wouldn't say that's a cliffhanger. Well, it might be a cliffhanger rescue Han at the end, 
Yeah, but, I think you're picking the the wrong movie. That one literally ends on a cliffhanger. So <laughs> for the Han business, but not on the particular point of explaining the father business. Well, that may be a misunderstanding. The ending of it is intentionally being like, oh, we're leaving it on this uncertain note because it's not tied up, and there's this whole. We'll get to that film at some point, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that film bad stays. Of that. Stands <laughs> as its, yeah, it stands as its own film though, uh, because it stands, but, it stands as its own chapter in a series of installments. That's fair. But it doesn't feel as segmented to me as like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. No. Where I walked out of the of each of the first two of the trilogy going, Oh my god, I have to see the next one. Like I don't like right right away. Like I don't have that feeling as in terms of the story on this movie. And also it does not feel like like when you had Deathly House part one, part two, or Hunk. No, this this or, feels more like Twilight. Uh, Part one, part two. Like a completed season in a, a long-running story arc, you know, or, or a chapter. I could see that. But it's definitely, it's definitely not a. If it ended here, it would feel unsatisfying that all this stuff was left untidied up. Well, where the first one ended, it felt like a complete story in its own right. But this one. Okay, that is true, but I meant the main points of Way of the Water felt wrapped up. Um, um, certainly not the whole series, because of course it would be disappointing. Because I really do think the figurative seeds planted here are definitely going to bear fruit down the road. Yeah, and I, I would say uh, because James Cameron said that he structured this in a way that the first three could act as a, a, a trilogy that ends satisfactory, satisfactorily, if it has to end like that. And so I think he did intentionally kind of leave this one on a kind of Empire Strikes Back note. Where we're, we're leaving all these kind of uncertain threads out there. Of course, Quaritch still being out there. I mean, Jake wants to kind of bring together Spider as his his son for a son, as he says. But there's obviously that tension with Natiri still there, undeveloped. And I uh, and just the the kind of global human impact. I mean, it's not like they're going to stop hunting those those whale guys. So I think a lot of that stuff is still very much uh, left open. And again, like that first movie, we see all the humans leaving the planet, and we're looking towards a better future. It's it's a very different type ending for this movie, I think. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, but speaking of the the kind of new focus and these these new Navi folks, we've been kind of dancing around. Uh, how do how do you guys think they came across this uh, this whole new tribe that we meet? Did you guys feel like they were as interesting as the previous tribe? Okay, so I love the fact that they're colored differently. They are literally, uh, their skin color is different. They have different biology as well in a way. They're, or sorry, different adaptations, excuse me. They yes. evolved, again, evolved being a time span like uh, Parsec or Lightyear, um, a unit of time measurement, excuse me. Um, they evolved differently than their forests, uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, where they are now much more adept, obviously, at watery conditions. Again, like I said, more Polynesian uh, equator uh, areas rather than, like, you know, the North Pole or the South Pole. I would love to see what, you know, Northern or Southern South Pole Navi look like because I think they'd look extremely different. Well, I don't even think they would swim. Like, maybe they could. They probably But, but could. for these guys. These for these guys, guys sorry. Uh, I love their tails, I love their, their eyes. Um... Their weird arms. <laughs> I love their uh, their 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 arm. Well, their arms again are like fins in a way, which is really yeah. cool. Um, I do wish that um, we really did see like an underwater city, like the Gungan underwater city. Uh, sorry, man, but 
Ah, it would have been cool. Uh, but but anyway, sorry. Go, go on with going on with that. Um, yeah, I think it was nice enough. And there's more of them, by the way. There's a lot of tribes of them, so it's not just one tribe. I don't know if I forget if this was like the like the main tribe uh, out of all of them. I I don't remember now. Yeah, it seemed to be framed that way. Yeah, that he was maybe okay. the. Well, yeah, I don't know if they're the main tribe, but it definitely seemed like Tonawari. He definitely. He definitely had sway with the other groups, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I kind of got the sense, because we see all those, uh, is it Toluk Khan, the, the whale guys? The whales. It seems like this is the main reef that they come to whenever they make their big pass. So this this seems like maybe a central location to some degree for the islands. Yeah, I, yeah, I, we didn't really see, I don't know if it was the central island itself, like it, in that big, like, you know... Uh, cluster of islands. I don't know if they were in the dead center, if they were the north, south, east, or west. I don't remember where they were situated. Well, they were more towards the north. I know that. That's right, because Korach said that when they've like heard the ping of that uh, helicopter, Max and Norm's helicopter. How about you, Eric? What do you think of these guys? Overall, I love these new people and the way they're set up, because I think it's interesting that you know, obviously in the first movie the easy analog for our world is that this is kind of like looking like American colonists versus native indigenous peoples. You know, it's a pretty easy line to draw with the first movie. But in this one, there's this focus on really comparing them to the Maori people. And I just think that's just an interesting change of focus. Um, and especially bringing in that colonizer Australian character and then somehow Jermaine Clement gets caught in the middle of that which is a little bit weird um, but that's just I just think it's an interesting framing to sort of like make connections to another region of our planet you know metaphorically and then of course there's all these things about the uh, the new tribe that, that make them allude to Maori culture and traditions and things like that. I think that's all very interesting, very smart. Yeah, the fact that they had slightly different biology, it's crazy to me that I did not know that coming into the movie. Because while I did see the trailers, if you remember when I mentioned it a long time ago, I tried to avert my eyes <laughs> so as not to really take in too much. So I literally had no idea. Because I've gone back to those trailers now, and it's plain as day you know a lot of details in those trailers but i that was a surprise to me watching the movie in real time and that that was a pleasant surprise it was very interesting um and yeah just the characters themselves i'm not sure how i feel about the kate winslet character ronal but i really liked um the tonawari character um yeah of course i'm in love with to see um moana the hot girl one moana as i call her and and speaking of like the time difference in filming have you seen the photographs so like the girl who played syra whatever her name is that girl was like explaining in an interview how when she made that movie when she filmed when she shot the movie she was 13 years old and she is right now 19 years old wow and she was just talking about how it's like this memory because it was her first job in the business and she's done all this other work since Avatar. And so it was like kind of weird, you know, for her to 
see this like her first work for the first time mm-hmm. but it's just wild and you look at the pictures of when they show all the kids um circa uh six years ago versus how they all look now it's pretty interesting wow that is strange mm. <laughs> but um yeah and actually the brothers were a little bit annoying but i guess they were that way by design um i mean the boy the brothers from the reef um family yeah uh but uh yeah um i know i i just found them great and i love the interactions when the wives would talk and and the and the husbands would be looking at each other hmm. um now you could say it, it's ve- it's a very sexist interpretation of of how men and women interact in our own world but i'll just say it is what it is yeah i don't know about sexist i've certainly seen uh interactions like that in my own personal life around certain couples so well that's what i'm saying we all see it but whenever you point it out publicly even if it is statistically true but but you're but even if something you say is statistically true like women tend to be more like blank 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 and men tend to be more like blank 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 even if you say something that's statistically true these days it's considered sexist just for pointing it out or you're like you're supporting um stereotypes and 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 norms well uh yeah and we can get into some of the complaints that i've seen lobbied at this movie politically wise um from both sides both sides i think have had some really strange takes uh but um yeah for my my thoughts on these 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 seafaring folk um i really much prefer these these people than the last people not that i didn't like the, the other tribe but i just uh of course my my leaning towards loving water on screen i think this is a much more uh vibrant and interesting kind of culture there um i did did have a minor complaint in the fact that there just seems to be less going on um in terms of like character development for these folks I mean, yeah, there's those little asshole kids, and they kind of, they kind of have some friction getting uh, used to the other kids. That's that isn't really interesting to me. I <laughs> mean, um, it seems more like it was there for plot purposes rather than character purposes. And then with the adults, there's some nice scenes of Jake learning how to uh, pilot their little flying fish guys. But again, there's not really much of a character there. Not like the tribe kind of. Uh, rejecting Jake for being a, a dreamwalker or that other guy who is going to be the leader and having a teary kind of between them. I thought a lot of those dynamics in that first one were a lot more interesting, so I wish that they would have developed this stuff a little bit more. Um, but I loved, I loved looking at them visually, too. I think that their their giant eyes are really compelling. And did you notice they're blinking? Yes, with the secondary uh, yes. yeah, eyelid. I thought that was really cool. Yes. Wild. And one of my favorite parts of, of them is their relationship with these these traveling, uh, this whale tribe. I thought that was a really interesting dynamic. I'd love to see that develop more. One presumes it will be. Especially if you've seen the tentative titles, official tentative titles for all the movies. I'm going to stay away from that for now. I, I'll, I'll keep them their like, yeah. existence a secret for now. I'd like to at least rewatch this film again before going into that stuff. Because even though I'm with you and that I want to see the next ones. I'm actually perfectly okay with waiting two years. I know that sounds <laughs> odd, but I'm like I'm perfectly fine with waiting two years to see the next one. Oh, I'm perfectly fine with it too. I'm just not fine with waiting for more than two years after that for the the, the um, fourth one. Because honestly, I think 
the fourth is going to happen and very likely the fifth when when things all shake out at the end of the day. Like, I think I saw the box office uh, numbers for it last night. Worldwide, it's making like, what, 55, 556 like, million already. So it's it's not it's not even been a week. It has not been one week and it's already made half a billion dollars. Like this yeah. film's making a billion dollars. Yeah, I think they're perfectly on track. And yet the haters are framing it as a big failure already. Yep. <laughs> Which is strange. No, uh, no, 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 it is a failure. It's a complete failure. Yeah, and I just wanted to point out some of the bizarre complaints that I've seen is uh, people crawling out of the woodwork to bitch about the environmental messaging. And especially I've seen people complain that it's demonizing the whaling industry and, and regular folks who are out there just trying to earn a living. This movie's demonizing them by making them look like villains. And that, that's just such a bizarre... I mean, that's just... I don't know. I, that that just struck me as such a strange critique for the movie. It's... It feels like a very uninformed take. Even if that person, let's say, lives in a a whaling or fishing community. And so let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they have that experience behind them. But even if you have that, it's still such a shallow interpretation of this movie because even though those things are connected that's clearly not what the message is supposed to be even though it resembles whaling of course yeah and i mean i mean those folks are callous assholes but it's like all the humans are callous assholes <laughs> well i pick on that uh, one aspect that's why i wondered if maybe because it was like one person i saw bitching about that uh, but I did see. Oh, I, I've, I've seen other people, but not too much, yeah. though, as I would see for other things. I've certainly seen a lot of bitching about just the environmental angle in general. but, And I've also seen a lot of complaints of like cultural appropriation stuff, too. Oh, but I was curious, because uh, we talked about in that first movie how it had very simplistic, uh, shallow political messaging. Uh, did, did you guys feel like. I mean, I, at least I, I'll, I'll say I feel like James Cameron kind of pulled back on the political messaging a bit. Um, it, this one feel, felt like it was less obvious all, ar all around. So may maybe I was missing something. I don't know. I mean, except for yeah, some of the environmental stuff. But even that didn't feel like it was nearly as hammered I don't on know. the head. I'm a little bit confused by the question because what was the more political angle in the first one? Oh, it, I mean, we discussed it. It was pretty, pretty basic stuff just imperialist we, we talked about the kind of the wars for resources element uh we talked about the kind of uh the technological versus. okay okay if that's what it is then how do you feel it was pulled back in this one just in terms of the like very blatant kind of in your face political uh like dialogue stuff that felt really simplistic and kind of uh, just yeah like it was a little bit hammered in in a way that felt clumsy so it's less said here, but is it just more assumed because we've all seen the first movie? Yeah, and that, that's basically what I was asking. Like, did it feel like it was in your face as much? Maybe I didn't frame the question as well. Did you guys feel like it pulled back on some of that? I didn't feel it too bad in the first movie. Um, but that being said, I am generally sensitive to overt messaging in modern movies in general. Yes. <laughs> that said... This one was perfectly fine by my meter. Um, and the reason was, was because instead of just saying, hey, this is bad because of this, which is what they do in a lot of movies. They just have these weird one-liners and stupid things. Or they have 
what I consider lazy comparisons. I know people say these are lazy metaphors, but I don't think so. The first Avatar. I don't think so. <laughs> but um, but I see it in other movies. Um, and in this one, the reason why I'm, I'm perfectly fine with the messaging or whatever you want to call it is because I'm just taking this movie on its own face value. And as it pertains to the whaling scenes, I'm just taking this as is. And I know it's supposed to be an analog for whaling on our planet. But I'm just taking the events in the movie as is, and it's obviously horrible what's taking place in the context of the movie. Um, and so I can just judge it accordingly and be like, yeah, this is horrible what's happening here on Pandora. And the reason it's happening is because, again, the, um, the humans have little desire to understand like the real biology of this planet. Because I, we'll see, uh, it's hard to say. Because what if we could know, because I mean, maybe it's true now already, just people don't accept it that way. But what if we could know that that real whales on our, on our planet here are more sentient and intelligent than like we are? Like, what if that was in fact true? Would it change things? I don't know. It would probably change things for a lot of people, but it wouldn't change things for everybody if that was a known truth on this planet. Yeah, I don't think it would change anything. It's interesting, though. Like, yeah, it's, it's showing us it, and, like, we all know what this is about, and we... Is he trying to, again, spread awareness that, hey, this is a thing that's going on still to this day? I, I don't know. Like... Well, I, I saw people who said that they didn't realize that there was still whaling in present day. I saw people have those reactions. There's plenty of people. It comes up every few years. They'll be, like... Uh, like videos going viral of people doing whaling and people are like what we thought this was banned <laughs> but especially in somewhere like japan it's definitely very vibrant still despite many international uh, complaints like but... <laughs> i get the feeling that the next film or at least one of the next three films is gonna have like probably navi getting like not navi children being like taken from their parents Damn. like or even Damn. or even just navi being enslaved um, that'll really like rile up the Jimmys of everybody. Yeah, the Jimmy J, uh, the Jimmy Jeff Camerons. Yes, um, <laughs> as opposed to Jimmy James Cameron. Um, I actually don't know what his middle name is. No, I don't know either. I just keep saying Double J Jeff Cameron for because yep. of Double yeah. J Jeff Jarrett. Jimmy the Grape. Um, but oh, I thought it was like a Jake Jack thing. You no, know, the the wrestler from the the nineties. Oh, I get it now. Um, but yeah, and I thought it was somewhat clever to kind of parallel the the you know whaling for for oil type of thing where they don't even it's not like they're eating the whales they're just taking this one little element and then just kind of abandoning the rest so i thought that kind of worked oh yeah i mean if you're a if you're a hunter you're you know like a actual like you know uh how to, how to put this if you're a respectable hunter or whatever it's called uh, an ethnic hunter there we go uh if you're an Ethnic, sorry, ethnic hunter. Ethical. Ethical hunter, there we go. You know that <laughs> if you hunt hunter. something, sorry, yeah. Whoops, Frodean slip. Uh, my apologies. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name, sorry. Those two words are like literally what you just put an N in front of one of them and it becomes ethnical and then like ethical. I apologize. But get on with uh, it. There you go. But yeah, get on with it. Um, but it is funny how, like, if you're an ethical hunter, uh, you know that if you do get a kill, you know that you're going to use like at least the the like 80% plus amount of like the, mm. the kill that you got of that animal. 
you're going to use it. And I would, too. If I was a hunter, uh, I would want to be ethical, and I'd, use, I'd try to use as much as I could, like close to 100% as I could, uh, so there's no wasted meat, nothing of waste. Everything in that animal is used for something. I would absolutely use it. And the, like, idiocy, not even idiocy, but uh, what did they say? They, like, drop the, yeah, they get rid of all the harpoons, or all the buoyant to uh, balloons, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, or the buoyant tube, excuse me, and they just let it, like, go to the ocean floor. Yeah, just think Which, it. I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty scumbaggy, but even still, yeah, we're just getting the, like, the, the brain fluid and that's it, and not harvesting anything else. It's like, come on, you gotta at least use, like, 100%, like, there's so much meat for there. Like, why don't you guys use it? Nope, just for the buoyant brain fluid. It's like, that's a waste. Like, your guys are completely unethical. Plus a whole other bunch of other problems they're doing, but anyways. Oh, they're big scumbags, especially the guy who's the captain of the ship. I mean, he's going along with this this pretty brutal kind of military uh, invasion of these these indigenous villages, and they're just going along with it, like, hey, let's let's get back to our job here. We just want to make money. I've got a quota to fill. <laughs> yeah, but I did like the, the the reference of you know the marine biologist having to be complicit in order to enact his science. That's a very common real world thing that we deal with today a lot of i felt that was handled a lot better maybe i mean maybe it was again pretty obvious but i liked how uh i think it was a lot handled better maybe than the last film or maybe i just enjoyed that more i don't know why because maybe it was yeah. a different type of uh science that was being put on display rather than just like you know molecular molecular excuse me biology or ecology or whatever the heck engineering biology growing a brand new human for or branding creating like new life basically and you know putting transferring consciousness in there there's a lot of science in that yeah and it, there's something about it that felt more genuine in, than the first movie where it kind of felt like uh grace and her team were working uh, kind of a they weren't necessarily working together on the same issue they were working kind of adjacent trying to push towards the same cause but not working together on it there was something more honest about the marine biologist actually being there directing them to do the assault and just kind of like he says i just i drink that's how i that's how i deal with this there's a bunch of weird things about his character in this movie but him and spider play like a dual role in the movie in yeah. the sense that because spider is set up i mean as it pertains to this subject only solely he's set up as like the natives who would like join like the u.s like union forces yeah. And become like interpreter guides as they contact indigenous people. And Spider was more clearly that type of sort of filling that type of role whenever he was helping the the grunts or whatever. Yeah. But um, the weird thing though about I guess Dr. Garvin, who Jermaine Clement plays, what's weird about him is his character has a similar role, but then. His particular casting in the role just makes it even stranger or queerer in my mind because it's an obvious choice, right, that the captain character is, like, Australian, right? Uh, I don't know about an obvious choice. But... I mean, that's once again showing that's, that's once again showing Australians as evil. Yeah. I, I don't know why. But, but as it pertains to this political topic, though. Yeah, what's the obvious uh, part of it? Well... Either you could say the relationship between Australian colonists and Australian indigenous people, or European colonists in New Zealand 
and the indigenous Maori people and their types of interactions. And Germaine being a biologist who is working with these whalers, it's just weird that I believe he himself is of Maori descent. So it's weird that the actor himself has like an ethnic role to play in the whole scheme of things. But he's not an Avatar character or in any way. I mean, not a, a Navi character in any way. But it's weird because, you know, this this tribe of Navi are based, based upon Maori and the actors half Maori. So it, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything in universe of the movie, but it's just something weird to wrap your brain around out of universe in the movie, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, the only problem is, is that even though I knew it was Jermaine Clements, I don't know if he has got Myri. I believe um, he does. I believe he does, which is also why he was cast in Moana as well. I know he's Kiwi, but the thing is, is that he doesn't even have his accent. Like, he just plays yeah. a straight, like... You're right. Like, he, he, he doesn't really have his accent. He just keeps... Like, he just uses, a, uses a non, well, an American-sounding accent. I'm like, what? what the heck? But my point is, if you just watched the movie and you had no idea who he was, it doesn't really mean anything. But if you do know who he is, it seems that that must have factored in his casting somehow um, for the role, even though it doesn't necessarily pertain to the character himself who he's playing. Yeah, and the uh, I don't know if you guys noticed the uh, the pilot, the one driving them around in that little little yeah. boat. He definitely looked Maori. Yeah, I, I noticed. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. See, and that stuff's like intentional, and it's just like I guess it's just there to make your brain go. Ugh. <laughs> just like just like i was thinking about you know people were saying like why is the majority of all the um the naval forces and the, the marine forces why is the majority of them white well there's a couple of asian faces but then i was thinking well that doesn't help things either because it made me think of japanese whalers <laughs> so i was like this is a time when putting in asian faces actually makes it almost seem worse okay That's i'm just fair. gonna say it like this is weird, but I maybe because again they filmed in New Zealand. I'm gonna yes, freaking so much. I'm gonna get... Oh no, what are you what are you gonna say here? Jeez. I was gonna say that there's like almost <laughs> no black people in this film, except for maybe Zaldana. Yeah, yeah. She's not even black. Wow, but uh, she's not well descent <laughs> in a way because she's Hispanic, right? In a what? She's Hispanic, yes. But like, is she not like from Cuba or Havana? I forget what? where she's from. First of all, let's say she was from Cuba. What does that have to do with anything? Well, I'm just, like, but she's not Cuban. Okay, where is she from? <laughs> she's fr she's Dominican. Okay, but even still, yeah, Dominicans also had a bunch of like black slaves over there. So like she's no, that is that is very true, and that is definitely where they get their color from. Also, she has a beautiful voice. I must say, I think she did a great job with that like song at the end. I don't know what you had to say about that, Caleb. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I just had to point that out. But anyways, oh, but she's she is definitely uh, black. I mean, I don't know what uh, what you mean by that, Eric. I'm sorry. I'm just okay. What? what well, yeah. I mean, I'm with Eric on well, that. Okay, yeah, I believe I believe the term people use these days is Afro-Latina. Sorry, but okay. I would never call so. Go ahead and call someone from Dominican Republic and black, and you let me know how that goes for you. Okay, apologies, my. Or do it to someone from Puerto Rico. 
Go ahead and just call him black and get back my to me. My apologies on to all my Puerto Rican, uh, Afro Puerto Rican, and Afro Cuban and uh, Dominican Republic brothers and sisters. I apologize profusely about that. Uh, what I was getting to at, as the only white guy on this podcast here, I have no problem with the. I I'm actually kind of ashamed that Cameron didn't cast everybody as white. Um, in the um, as like you know the, the the earth people I think it should have been white people just Why? to write home like you know the colonizer angle <laughs> and then yeah like I said any like the white folks aren't the only colonizers <laughs> yeah but in recent memory people always put the blame on white I don't people. I don't I personally yeah. don't think they should all be white myself I don't think so either <laughs> that's just me being like pushed into like hey make it be the white people because we were the ones that like you know caused the most problems for everybody I don't feel that way, but I understand there are people who feel that way. Yeah, of course. At least in this modern setting that we live in currently, yes. But mm, of course. But again, history is a very short uh, mistress. It's not as long oh, as course. you think. <laughs> in many, oh, yeah, that's true. Many different cultures have experienced some severe imperialist uh, elements. So it's just that again, short term, and we only remember like you know 400 years ago, and it was well, it was my my skin color that was is the problem currently. Yeah, humans in their their short memories. It's one of the one of our biggest defects, really. If only we could remember. If, if only we could like live long enough. Wait, we probably would start forgetting things. Yeah, where's those fucking whales? If only, if only we could get the hands our hands on this elixir. We need to go killing some whales. Okay. Um, but I did. Uh, with that. Yeah, you want to go ahead, Caleb. I don't know if you noticed this, Isaac, but um, both times I watched that that whaling scene, I found that very impactful. I, I think it's one of the the best action scenes in the movie. Um, and has a uses that great uh, piece of music that from James Horner, Horner from that first movie when they destroy the, the that tree that they all live in, home tree. Yeah, I figured they use that there. Um, but after they they killed the whale and the whale stopped swimming, in the audience that I was in with you, this little kid burst into tears and was crying and crying. Yes, <laughs> yes, I remember that. I remember hearing that kid. I was like, did he actually like cry? Oh yeah. Like okay, yes, he cried. But it, was he was the correlation the causation of that from uh, was the causation of that the correlation between the whale dying and him? Oh, yeah, the kid even said to his mom, he's like, why'd they kill him, mommy? I was like, oh my god, like, what are you bringing this, this poor kid? He's gonna have some troubles going forward here at this movie. <laughs> hey, I, I reflect on those moments of when I saw something like that, age four through eight, and even though it felt traumatic at the time, I always look back on it fondly as, like, character building for myself. Um, when I saw, because... I mean, I remember feeling a uh, side, you know, side trip. But like when I saw Platoon the first time, and they do that massacre on the village, yeah, I was fairly young and I was deeply affected. Me too. And, I don't know. I think I think it was good food for thought for me as a young person, even though I was pretty young when I saw that. But um, I think that scene, personally, um, I know other people don't like it for varying reasons. But me personally, I think it's a very good scene, all of it. I think it's really well done. And I also like how he uses a technique like from Titanic, um, which I think is effective. Like, it, it's, it's, it's um, what do you call it? Reminiscent of in Titanic, how they explain like the engineering of how they believe the ship went down, mm -hmm. like in present day. And then, like, it's all explained, and then you see it play out, and it makes sense to you. And it's kind of done concurrently in this scene. But I like... Well, no, it's a little bit of both. But 
I like how it's all explained step by step, and then you see it. Yeah. Um, I just think it's really effective storytelling. Yeah, that works, and it helps that that uh, that asshole captain just has kind of a captivating quality to him. So I, I enjoy every every scene that he's in. I think he uh, uh, does a good job selling that character and really making you dislike him. <laughs> I agree, but it's 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 a little bit jarring looking at his IMDb portrait because he's younger and he he looks like a very handsome Ewan McGregor. Um, and, and it's kind of weird, like seeing that image of him and thinking about his character. Oh, did they age him up? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying his portrait is a younger version of him oh, okay. and fitter. Okay. So he looks like a, a young Ewan McGregor, like very handsome. And it's weird p- picturing this handsome face being that douchebag character. Since we we're talking about those those whale guys, I wanted to get to uh, the little scene that we saw. Um, since we saw the re-release in the theater. Uh, we got a little sneak peek, sneak peek to this movie, and that was a scene between uh, uh, that that younger uh, son. I don't remember his name the, again. The youngest son. Oh wait, hang on. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I think you said Lo- uh, Loak. 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 Yeah, him and his his whale uh, companion that he meets. That uh, we get kind of a repeat from that first movie where those asshole kids take him out to this. Uh, it's kind of outside of their little cove. And then he gets attacked by this big sea creature, and it reminds me very much of that scene with Jake when he's first attacked and, and separated from the group. What did you guys think about that action scene there? Did you guys think it worked better than that that first one, since they're kind of paralleled? Uh, so it was uh, same like much like uh, Cameron has done over you know all his movies. Uh, it was the same scene but done differently. Uh, yeah. You get almost you could almost say I was gonna. When we were doing this film, I was going to almost, like, open up with, uh, oh, so James Cameron did the exact same thing he did with Aliens, where it's the same, it boiled this down, and it's the same script as the first film. Uh, not really, of course. It's no, not not movie. this time. <laughs> it's certainly not, no. But there's a lot of, he brings back a lot of uh, scenes and ideas from that first film. Um, again, like Father, like Son, uh, he goes hunting. Instead of, yeah, it's, this time he's hunting instead of, like, you know, being a this the the bouncer for the scientists doing you know scientist things and uh here he's yeah just hunting and the guys ditch him after you know just i guess being funny and um yeah i i enjoyed it just because it was a different scene it was underwater uh i like the bit where he has to still hold his breath for a long time um you know that i looked it up and not looked it up but i i uh when looking at one of the articles for this film uh, about some of the free divers who trained some of the uh, the big actors. One, Kate Winslet held her breath for six minutes, and two, the record for longest breath held in the water. Now I don't know. I think it was seven minutes. Uh, the was it seven minutes for Kate? Yes. I thought it was six, but okay, I guess it is seven. Uh, but the longest for a human was twenty-four minutes. I'm like, good grief. Wow. wow. That's yes, but there's things that are involved in that. Yeah, I figured. Um, so there's two different classes. I, I saw a documentary on this years ago. There's two different classes of these like records. There's people who just hold their breath the traditional way, but there's people who use like different techniques with like um, like air different air mixtures and all kinds of other stuff. So that's why there's two different records. So the longer ones. They do like a bunch of other stuff, um, like sciencey stuff, that helps them achieve like those much longer records. Oh, but Isaac, you uh, 
You didn't answer the question again, I, uh... Not again. Kind it. of, uh, yeah, redirected somewhere else. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to. I redirected it, of course. Uh, was it compelling for me, or did I like it? I, I liked it. Oh, okay, okay. Because, again, well, yeah, I thought I said I liked it, because it was the same, but done in a different environment. It was different character. This time, though, he couldn't escape, because <laughs> the way Jake escaped that one is that he, f he jumped off a ledge, or fell off the cliff and into the water. Um, his son's in the water, so I don't know where he's going to escape. He's going to go into yeah. like, underwater events or something like that. But no, yeah, then the um, then the then, then the the one outcast whale comes in and saves him. So like, you could what is that Deus Ex Machina? I don't I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, and I think uh, the more isolated element of it definitely helped sell that that scene. Because I was never a big fan of that that first sequence in Avatar. I, something about the effects just. The effects didn't really work for me there. Um, whereas this, I feel like, is a much more visually exciting uh, moment. And, yeah, I, I like that that beastie. I kind of wish that we saw more of them in the movie. I was expecting one of those to come back in the, the climax. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was too, sort of. When that creature first came, the, the shark-like creature, if you listen to the score, the, the, there's some allusions to the, um, the Jaws theme there. Interesting. It kind of sounds like the Jaws theme like sped up. I'll have to watch that again, or I'll have to uh, hear that. And uh, Eric, what did you think of that scene? Did you like the scene? Uh, any any points to add about the scene? I loved it. As I was watching it the first time, I kept trying to think, how is he going to get out of this? Like, how is he going to get out of this? Like, um, and I just kept trying to think of like a. Um, cause you know, usually when characters are in that type of peril, they come up with, uh, um, um, what do you call it? An inventive solution. So I kept trying to like figure out the mystery and I didn't really see it coming that a larger creature was going to come. And then when that happened, all I could think of was that, that scene in Phantom Menace, there's always a bigger fish, but I thought that was going to be an even more aggressive creature so then i was like how's he gonna deal with this but then we all know how it turned out correct and so i didn't see any of that coming um the first time around but it was great it was great and um i guess you could say that that scene was aided by the 3d um but as i said in separate messages i could have watched the whole movie in 2d and it probably would have been fine there was only kind of one standout part and it wasn't that part that that I was like, okay, the 3D, there's no way this could be the same without the 3D. But that was just one section, small section of the movie, or everything else that could have been fine with you, 2D. I forget, was some of that high frame rate, Caleb? Oh, yeah, uh, almost all the action scenes were high frame rate. Okay. Yeah, entire sequences. It was so weird, uh, this I found so jarring. Um, during that, uh, that whole end fight, where it's the the tribe versus the you know the soldiers there um a lot of those scenes weren't in high frame rate but then anytime we cut to natiri up there flying around it would be and then it would it was like the whole skin tone and the whole like fabric of the movie changed god that was so jarring did, did you did you notice any of those high frame rate changes did it stand out to you the same way it does for me i don't know if that's just yeah i was a... gonna save that for later unless you want to go to it now well, since we're talking about it, yeah, I guess maybe jump into it now. Okay. Okay, so uh, what I can equate to those scenes that you were talking about... By the way, 
Did not have any eye strain this whole time. Uh, I will say that. No, not like you, probably. I, my eyes did not get strained by this the entire time. Uh, we watched it in 3D, uh, high frame rate. But one of the things I remember uh, somebody complained about was, uh, or in, in this film, is that when Dunkirk came out, uh, you saw that Nolan did some shots in IMAX and then others in regular film. And he would, like, you could tell, obviously, which, the, not that you can in this one, like, yeah, you could tell what's high frame and what's not. And those ones, the same thing. Some people found it jarring that it's like, well, one part's IMAX, the other part's just regular film. That was me. Or not IMAX. <laughs> That was you. There you go. Uh, so like, <laughs> you read Kale's article. There you go. Uh, yeah, his article. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it. When we left the theater. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, in this one, I noticed it, and like I said, I think his next few films, he's gonna try to do high frame rate with everything, which I think Oof. will be very interesting. Uh, I actually would kind of like to. I don't know if I want to see Avatar do it, but I'd like to see like a demo almost of like a full on film. I don't know if it's like, or I'm not talking an hour, which is like... Go like, rent Gemini Man. Oh. Uh, yes, or come over here. I've got it on 4K. Okay, entirely. I probably will do that. But other than that, um, yeah, I didn't have a problem. I didn't fully have a problem with it. It didn't jar me. Like, it was nice to pick out. It was more like, okay, which is which? Uh, I didn't play, I'll play the game when I go see it again. Um, but I could totally see, like, it being gimmicky for a lot of people. And people, but I don't know if I've seen complaints about it yet in the articles I've read. Uh, they're mostly just focusing oh, on oh. the story. So, oh, there, there's complaints of plenty. I figured there would be. I heard it as I, because uh, Isaac always sits and waits for the the complete end of the movie after the credits have rolled, and you know the three hour, ten minute runtime. I, I was like, I got to get up and use the washroom immediately when it ended. And so I was just standing there waiting for him for like six minutes or so. And so I'd hear random people talking. There was this, this group of teenage guys, and one guy was like, "Like, man, that movie was like 90% effects. It was like I was watching like a cartoon movie. And his friend was like, yeah, but like sometimes it looked real different. Like, it looked really weird at times. And he was like, yeah, I noticed that. I don't know what that was. And I was like, yeah, I didn't like it. It looked really strange. And so, yeah, there's an example of <laughs> a group of people right there complaining about it. There you go. Fair enough. And me too. But I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Well, I haven't seen this movie in HFR. Like I said, I've seen the, the Hobbit stuff. And I'm still on the fence about it, like from The Hobbit, because uh, people complained about that as well. Um, and I I remember from seeing that, yeah, it is a surreal experience, but it's not necessarily bad for me. And I don't know that it's better. It's just I feel like I still haven't seen enough, even though I saw all three of those movies and they're long. I still feel like I haven't seen enough to fully make up my mind about high frame rate in general because I definitely love high frame rate as it pertains to video games. Yes. And it, I feel like it makes all the difference in the world for video games. So I'm, the jury is still out for me for movies in general. Well, I'll say for me, I know 100%. Like, I'll take a, a high frame rate movie if that's, if that's what it is, if it's entirely shot that way. But, yeah, like I, Isaac said, I complained about Dunkirk. I found those transitions jarring. It was triply jarring we'll in this case. Because, again, it felt so arbitrary. Sometimes it wasn't even an action scene. It was just someone talking emphatically. But the whole lighting scale of the movie changes when it switches to high frame rate. Because the light doesn't shift as naturally as it does in the, the regular frame rate. It, it makes their skin tone look different. Oh, it's so jarring. I couldn't stop thinking about the entire movie. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I'll get back to you on the switching back and forth. Because I feel like, yeah, I, having not seen it that way, I feel like I'd rather it just all be high frame all the way through if that's where we're going. Yeah. But I'll get back to you on that after I see it. But as it pertains to the IMAX stuff, the Nolan stuff, I don't know, call me crazy, but I love when that stuff happens in the Nolan movies and the select other movies out there that do it. Um, it works for me because, especially in Interstellar, when it cuts from skinny to full, um, whenever I saw it at the movies, and of course if you own it, you can kind of see it simulated at <laughs> home, but when I was at the actual movie version of Interstellar, whenever it switched to big, like my whole body was like, all right, here we go. It's go time. It's go time. Anytime it went big, I was like, it's go time. So it like gets me like, I have a Pavlovian response in a positive way. When, when, when films switch like that in an aspect ratio. Yeah. I just find it continuously jarring because I'll be like, okay, I'm recognizing it like this. And I'll be like, Oh wait, it just changed. And I have to readjust. And then once I finally readjust, it changes again. But at least in that, at least in that case, I have time to adjust and start to go with the movie again. It's not like, like a single frame will suddenly be that that high frame rate for like two seconds, and it'll switch back to normal. And then yeah, that sounds like the most bizarre thing ever when it it's like a two second switch back. Incredibly bizarre. I can't imagine what the benefit of that is. Yeah, and then think about the scenes when you watch it because some of them do feel just incredibly arbitrary. It's like wow, why? It almost felt like he had some sort of algorithm where it was like it needs to show up this amount of times in order for it to feel, uh, I don't know, <laughs> in order to kind of prepare you for the big action scenes with it. Because all the action scenes are completely in... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd expect based upon what, what he has explained. So yeah, it, it almost felt like he was trying to keep you in, engaged in that so you wouldn't forget during just like the talky bits. But oof, it's weird. <laughs> My biggest distraction though with the three because the 3d is fine like I, I felt it was overall better with the first movie the way I, the, the theatrical experience i felt the 3d was overall more impactful in the first one but my ba- my beef with the 3d is not the 3d itself but just the dimness that is inherent with polarized lenses yeah um that's really my issue um because if somehow the 3D could have the same brightness as standard projection, then I don't really think I'd have hardly any issue with 3D. Because 3D, because of the dimness and how it obscures certain other things for me, um, because it obscures clarity for me, um, it actually um, makes cheaper CGI look better, if that makes Mm. sense. Because, for instance, I noticed, because this is essentially a Disney property um, now, you know, the two trailers that were just before the movie um, were the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and Ant-Man, whatever it's called. And seeing them in 3D, because I hadn't seen anything else 3D, you know, in a long time until I saw those trailers. And I was like, whoa, I forgot 3D can make lackluster things look interesting um because both of those trailers looked interesting in 3d but then when i watched the movie in 2d and i saw those same trailers in 2d i was like oh it's the typical in 2d i could tell is the typical standard marvel cgi but in 3d it like hides it and it makes it look 
like more impressive CG than it is. Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I could see that. I could see that. Oh, but Isaac, uh, did you have anything more to say about the high frame rate before we switch back to the rest of the movie? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I did. Thank you for asking. Uh, I did. So I did enjoy it. Um, I think it was. I, I'm trying to not go to like the action scenes at the end because you're talking about high frame rate. Um, I think it's just. Is it a fad? Is it like a like like free 3D? And the thing is with 3D, I think what Eric was saying is that we need to do like. There needs to be more movies in 3D, but I mean, like, so it can, we can, we can get that. I don't that. know if that's what I said. Well, hang on. Okay, sorry, sorry. But to, like, I think alleviate Eric's problem, you need to R&D this, and you need to keep, like, uh, testing it uh, so that it's, <laughs> it's not like... polarized lenses. Maybe that's just polarized lenses. I don't know. But, like, again, I think James Cameron is the only person who's going to do this. Like, you know, how uh, Christopher Nolan is the only one who's going to do IMAX movies. Well, you know, like, of course, Peter Jackson did it first. And I, he has a role I guess play. so. And of course, this is Weta again. It is Weta. Um, but but yeah, with the the high frame rate, I did enjoy it. I did, it was it didn't take me out of it. For maybe it did, but I didn't hate it overall. I was like, kind of want to see more of this. I want to see uh, it be used at all times. But obviously, they couldn't do it. So I actually do want to see more too. It just because I feel like there's something there. They just haven't worked it out yet. Um, so let's go further to something else, Caleb. Go ahead and uh, switch us, segue to something else. Yeah, I was going to say for, uh, let's, maybe we should talk about the, I guess the characters in the movie, the kids, since they're the really the focus. <laughs> it's been how long since we actually talked about these guys? <laughs> yeah, we've danced around them a little bit. Um, but yes, yeah, so we have the Sigourney Weaver character again. I can't remember her name. Is it Kiri? Kiri. Uh, Kiri. Like Kitty almost, but it's Kitty. Yeah, and I, I like the way that they've developed that. She was kind of, a, in a way, maybe a virgin birth, uh, or at least so far, that's how it seems. So, seems like it. So that would be concerning if it wasn't for the fact that it seems like this kid was produced by uh, their, their, their deity. Oh, I love when they're looking at the videos in the ops or whatever. I don't know what they call those home stations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know... Her siblings are teasing her, like, "Oh, I bet that 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 sciencey guy. I bet Norm, he's your dad." And what'd she say, like, "Yeah, you don't, you do not deserve to live." <laughs> no, but she says, "If he was my dad," she said something like, "I would die and drink acid or something." Yes, <laughs> it was so funny. It was so funny. Um, and then something weird about that, I had read. Um, there are some, del- or I don't know if they even produced, I was going to say deleted scenes, but maybe they were unproduced scenes. I read there were some unproduced scenes for the first Avatar where there was like a side story of, um, of Norm and Grace like having a romantic angle. Oh, wow. Um, but in the expanded lore, it has been established oh, that Norm was seeing um, uh, Trudy. Yes, that's right. Yes. I was like, I thought it was Norman Trudy who were an item. Exactly. So that has already been retconned before they had a chance. Good. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Thank goodness. <laughs> what is this? Star Wars? But I, I still think it's hilarious, though, that they acknowledge it. And the way they acknowledge it in the movie, I think it's very tongue-in-cheek in the best way. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's, that's funny. They, they actually do that. You're right. Cameron, you sly dog. 
well. Oh, but but um, she, I think she was my my <laughs> second favorite character, and I like that her and Spider had this kind of uh, uh, romance developing. Like it was there, and I thought that could be uh, lead to some fun stuff in the future, especially kind of since it's going to be there's going to be conflict with Materia and Spider. I like that she's kind of the in between for them. So I like that, and I liked all of her little because uh, I complained in that first movie, like oh Jake, he feels like he was some sort of chosen one. But he didn't really feel like he embodied it. I think Eric, you said he was more like a catalyst, like a chosen catalyst. So mm-hmm. I like that she actually does feel more like she's some sort of avatar for this planet in some way. I expected this. I expected this before I even knew about this Kiri mm-hmm. character. Um, Caleb, Messiah, um, uh, Immaculate Conception, um, um, like chosen one maybe somewhat Caleb what it like come on like wh- why aren't you ripping this character a new one how come you like this character I thought you hated Anakin Skywalker wait a minute that's because it was a prequel and not a sequel <laughs> no that's not the reason I know that's not the reason <laughs> <laughs> no if, if if that was its own story I'd be like okay I can take this it's the fact that you took this this character this pre-existing <laughs> character and then wrote this completely stupid <laughs> origin for that. Oh, that you know his his leader Palpatine. He actually created him in the womb of this this slave girl, and then he created this apprentice all these years later. And that's just like overthinking it into turning into nonsense, especially because they don't even fully define it in the movies. You kind of have to guess at what they're saying. It's so poorly written. That's fair. <laughs> Here they're like leaving it a mystery so far, but um, but one yeah, that I mean, we can understand, like. That, that scene in the first movie now makes a lot more sense as to what was happening there and why that scene existed. Yes, no. Um, and, hmm. Uh, I, I, I goofed really hard. I was like, when they had Grace's avatar in the back to tank there, hmm. I was like, oh, they're, they're regenerating her or they're like bringing her back to life. And then I thought to myself today, I was like, no, you idiot, she's dead, she died. Like, her, her human self died. She didn't get transferred, you knucklehead. Like, oh yeah, it's for, I forgot. So they're just, literally, like, Grace's avatar is just, like, sitting in a back-to-tank wasting resources. Yeah, like a vegetable. Like, okay, I mean, I guess they could use somebody there, even though that's impossible. Unless they're gonna grow, like, a human for... Would you imagine if they, like, grow humans for each of these characters, and they have to, like... Hmm. Go to Earth. They, they now go in the pods and they have to, like, oh, golly, I'm, yeah. I, I'm just calling that now. They're going to do that. No, I'm just kidding. Something is going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be that, but something's going to happen. Um, oh, I like the, I know this is probably a bit ago, but I like the fact that whenever Quaritch was inside of a human atmosphere uh, or a human, um, yeah, atmosphere, I like that he had to, both of them or all of them had to wear, like, masks. Or not masks, but they yeah. instead just, like, breathed in, like, an apparatus quickly. I, yeah. I kind of like that. That was pretty cool. Um, that went. I, I'm not gonna say that went nowhere. There was no like, oh, I need to breathe uh, Navi air instead of uh, human air. There was nothing like that in the like in the previous film. Uh, I kind of like that. Oh, but with the uh, with the Kiri character, how'd you guys? Did you guys like her? Or did you like? Because um, she's definitely a feels a lot different than the other characters in the movie. She spends a lot of time on her own. She's a little bit more uh, isolated and feels like like she can't relate to the other people as well. But she's got this very strong connection to the the planet itself. Uh, did you guys like that that angle there, Eric? 
So, both Kiri and Took as characters are, like, they are red meat for me to hate on paper. Both of them. Because generally, I can't stand when there's, like, some helpless character who only serves to hinder other characters because they're so helpless. Generally, I hate that stuff. So I was primed and ready to hate both those characters when I first started learning about each of them. But I have to say, overall, they they ended up being some of my favorites in a weird way of the Sully family. Um, I actually found an affinity for both girls more than I felt from any of the boys. Um, So I actually love both of them. Um, Now, the one thing with Kiri, I'm perfectly okay with her being this precocious, um, gifted um, character. I'm I'm perfectly fine with all that stuff. Um, She is not like a Mary Sue Ray or something like that. Not at all. She's She's not that in my... She is a chosen one, but she's not some Mary Sue, in my personal opinion. That was Jake. But it is slightly jarring with the Sogorny Weaver voice. I know they aged it down somehow, the voice. I wish they would have done it a little bit more. Yeah. A little bit more. Because that was a little bit... But not enough to ruin it or take me out of it. Just a little bit... Hmm. Uh, but other than that, no. Um, I really like the kids, and I really like those two in particular. Yeah, I, I found her voice a lot easier to take the second viewing. But the first viewing, it, it took like maybe an hour or so into the movie before I could finally be like, okay, let's just let this go. Like, this is how it's going to sound. <laughs> I'm almost, I almost unintentionally get like a Benjamin Button vibe. Like it's an old soul yes. trapped in a, a youthful body. But I do still like some of Sigourney Weaver's deliveries. I think she has some some good lines and and tells them well. So what do you guys think about? Because I have those who are naysayers in this movie. Another thing they seem to universally point out that they don't like is the dialogue, but especially the dialogue of the boys um, and the bros. How do y'all feel about that dialogue in this movie? Their dad's like part human. And I, when I mean part human, not just because of the, like, you know, the Navi avatar, but the fact that he's still, even though he's culturally Navi to a, well, not born it, but, like, he acquired it, uh, he still, like, got Earth in him. So, like, of course, sometimes he'll, these these kids are, like, basically bilingual in a way. People didn't like the bros? <laughs> it bothered them? Yeah, they didn't like them saying bro and cuz. They felt that it was very, um... What are the words? Um, how do you describe? Very culturally present day Earth American English. <laughs> how, how limited? Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, fair. No, that and just they probably wouldn't even like it in a regular drama on Earth, like that kind of dialogue, and then just multiply the hate for it being like an alien species. Well, then they should hate aliens even more, given Hudson's character. <laughs> Because he was spewing stuff that was 80s lingo. You know, that's funny because, yeah, probably no one looks at that in that in that particular Yeah, lens. what the heck? Like, if no, you, like, no, it's nostalgia. It blinds these folks. It's so ridiculous. It you can't. But I will say, devil's advocate, at least those are humans and are supposed to give us an interpretation of just everyday Marines yeah, versus, course. again, alien species. Well, 
incorrect versions of Marines. Well, did you think it was lazy or bad dialogue, Caleb? No, no, not not in that case. Almost all the dialogue in this feels more natural in that first movie, which I felt was full of stilted performances and dialogue. So, me personally on this particular subject, the big failing I see in their logic, those who utterly hate it, and especially the bro talk, because generally I hate bro talk, or I don't hate it, but I don't like it in regular life either, generally. <laughs> um, of course, I grew up in the do generation, so in my days in America, we said dude the way they say bro kids these days, and I still can't get dude out of my vernacular now to this day. Me neither. Um, yeah, bud. So, but I still don't like the bro stuff. But that being said, here's what I think is the big flaw in the naysayers on this movie in particular, vis-a-vis the dialogue. Because, yeah, I heard a lot of them say, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we get that their dad is technically, you know, born human. But why would the kids pick... I think that's all irrelevant. Because, you know how this movie did that trick, a la Hunt for Red October, where in the beginning, Jake was explaining, you know, it took me a while to wrap my head around Navi language. But at a certain point, it became, like, English to me. And then, poof, you know, everyone switches to English. Mm. Right? So we understand that for most of this movie, when we hear the Navi speaking English, they're not actually speaking English. Right? Okay. So understanding that these kids are not literally going around in English saying, Hey, bro. Okay, bro. Yeah, bro. No, bro. No. They're speaking Navi, and they are using some Navi term that we haven't heard that young Navi kids use with each other, Um, and I don't know what it is, but let's just say, like, for instance, young people from northern Mexico, I say young people, I mean, like, college age, young people in northern Mexico, they use way a lot, the way we use dude or bro. Hey, Wade, check this out, Wade. Da, da, da. But I don't mean when they're speaking English. Well, they do it in English, but I'm talking about when they're speaking Spanish. And so these Navi juveniles are using some kind of term that Navi juveniles use that's an equivalent to that. What we are seeing is like the Universal Translator and Star Trek version translated in English. So they're not going around saying bro, bro, bro. They're saying some Navi term that equates bro. It's just interpreted in the movie as the English word bro. And I think all the naysayers are completely skipping over that. Like, they're not using colloquial earth terms in any sense. This is just the way, like, Sully's brain interprets it. Like, what? And I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, they've skipped over the part that they're not speaking English in the movie. I mean... Yeah, which, by the way... Um, I, I understand why James Cameron would do this, but it was just, a, in my opinion, a wrong choice because it distracted me every time. Because, yeah, we're supposed to th- think that they're speaking Navi the whole movie. But yet, every now and again, they have to say the word uh, scown. Because I guess that stood out for James Cameron in that first movie. But I'm like, why Why are we just hearing this one Navi word or whatever their language is <laughs> repeated over and over again when it's just say idiot it, it breaks the illusion maybe it breaks the illusion. maybe they're saying idiot in actual english and it was going reverse through the translator <laughs> i'm just that's a joke i'm just kidding no i know what you're saying 
But I just feel the opposite on both counts. At first, when I was watching the movie and they switched to English, I was like, oh, this kind of takes away. But then I thought, no, no, no. This is better. This is better. Like, it makes sense how they stuck to realism, quote unquote, in the first movie versus this one. Um, And I think it really makes sense, on the one hand, to say, to just go along as an audience, hey, we're like in Jake's head now. Well, we were in the first movie, too. We're still in his head. And so because it's as natural to him as English now, it'll be as natural for us. But furthermore, more importantly, I think, I think really the real reason is because because this movie is so family oriented within the movie itself i think we as english speakers would lose so much in the performances of the children if the children were pronouncing everything in navi and we had subtitles i think we would lose so much of their individual characters if they were speaking navi on camera or in film but on top of that i was thinking because I feel this is a more family movie, even though there is still some intense parts. I do feel like this is a more family general audiences movie than the first one. And I think that it definitely serves for kids who are not old enough to read yet to be able to, And I know there's some intense scenes for kids of that age group. But I still think it makes this movie more accessible that you can bring younger children to see this movie. And they can bond and connect with especially the younger characters speaking of those younger characters who already said i really liked this is the exact antithesis of young annie and padme in in phantom menace and all the other ancillary little kids in the star wars universe because these were little kids i really liked but yeah i think that the benefits outweigh um um the cons for switching it up to english overall oh oh and the scown even though that doesn't make sense technically with the translation, I certainly smirked the first time I heard Scout in the movie and every time I heard it. And I heard other people in the theater smirk when they heard the Scout movie in the movie. <laughs> so I think that was just like a funny ongoing joke. You heard the smirks, the lips uh, cracking. <laughs> Not smirk. <laughs> yeah, but I... <laughs> but I <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, but I will say, because uh, I generally uh, like the kids too, I like them a whole lot better than, than Jake and Atiri. I did, and I kept wondering throughout the movie, I was like, why is it that this older brother feels so underdeveloped? It seems like his only trait is that he stands up for his younger brother. But him as himself, again, he almost seems like an assistant character to the younger brother. Yes. And so I kept being like, but why are they, why are they not developing him? And then when we got to the end, and when we saw him jump and they were shooting, I was like, oh, wait a minute, I just think he, I think he's about to die. And they did, and I was like, oh, I guess that's why they did it. But that, I think that's too bad, because I never really liked him or cared, so when he died, I was like, oh, this is too bad for everyone around him. But I'm not sad that I'm not going to see him next time, because I didn't really see him this time. He was just kind of there. Sadly, from the opening train scene, I knew that boy wasn't going to make it through this movie oh interesting Mm. oh yeah oh yeah he was marked for death (laughs) from that from that mishap during the train heist he was marked for death sad to say yeah and what'd you think about him did you did you get anything out of him that i was maybe missing or or like him or (laughs) i mean by design he sadly had to die for his brother's growth 
Um, and for the growth of his parents as characters as well. Fridged. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> yeah, but you, you know, you're right, though, in a way. But, um, lyratively speaking, um, like, it just had to happen by design. Like, it just had to. This is the way it had to go. Um, and it almost, not exactly, but it's, but, I think it intentionally loosely resembles like a Cain and Abel type situation that uh. the brother the brother who never really does wrong versus the brother who does plenty of wrong all the time that he's the one who has to suffer ultimately like that is that is like a literary trope but I'm not saying trope in a negative way that it it just makes sense for a story um, for the the seemingly bad brother to live longer than the seemingly good brother so to speak yeah but i'm more asking uh like did you feel emotionally moved by his death or did you grow to like the character in terms of what we got i was moved by his loss but i will grant he is certainly undeveloped because well okay that's the thing that's the thing and this gets to a larger discussion after we get done with this part of the discussion but when we only had the first movie, but I knew this was going to be a bigger story with sequels, I, I was pretty sure that Jake and Natiri would not be our main protagonists going forward before I even saw this movie. Mm. And I knew it had to be most likely their progeny. And having so many progeny, it couldn't be all of them. And it's, it's really clear why we have focus on the second son. Um, pretty early on, even before the first son dies. Um, and then as a result of that, so if you know that going in, I mean, I, I assumed it going in. I didn't know it, but I assumed it. But especially when you go in and watch it a second, third time, and you already know who's going to die. So knowing that the second son is ultimately a much more important character going forward, sadly, there's just going to be more focus on him because... Otherwise, yeah, you're like, wow, why is the second son getting this whole romance arc? Like, what is the big brother doing the whole time? Like, is he just doing chores or like, mm -hmm. what the heck? And I just think, sadly, there's not much you can do about that unless you cut out time that was given to other characters like Quaritch or Spider or something. And I think that's the only other way you could fix it. But because it doesn't really serve the overall narrative, sadly, yeah, he is just left as a as a fairly undeveloped brother character yeah but uh spoiler this is just like how yellowstone starts off but anyway yeah and i was gonna say uh as a good example of this having a a character whose death is really impactful for the characters around them but we actually care about the death too it's that first season of game of thrones oh yeah 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 like at the end of that of course that character needed to die right then it's the the catalyst for the rest of the series in many ways but it's so impactful that moment versus this one where it's kind of like, oh, I just, I wish that they could have done a little bit more to make this. Like, I wish that I could go back and be like, oh, yeah, you know, and I'm, when this franchise is done, Avatar 2, I'm going back to see that character, that character that I liked and that I didn't get to see more of. I wish that I had that feeling. That is true, but I will give that Game of Thrones obviously had a lot more time yes. <laughs> to play with that. But. While I agree he was he was underdeveloped character in the movie, the first son he uh, what 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 made up for it for me 
Um, because obviously the emphasis is going to be on on the second son going forward. But what made up for the emotional impact, well, it's what made it still hit for me, was the scene going back to the very beginning with the first communion and seeing him because it's established then in the beginning of the movie that by him being first born, he is considered he will be Jake's successor. Um, and then the final scene, the denouement, when they commune with the life tree and they're able to revisit their son in the Matrix. And especially when I watched the movie the second time and seeing those same scenes, they filled the emotional void and they made the death impactful for me. Yeah, and I'm not saying that the death wasn't impactful for the people around him. I'm saying for that character in particular, it feels like I, I don't care that he died because I don't. In terms of, like, I'm not going to miss that character going forward. Yes, I'm not going to miss him, but that that did make his death have a punch for me, even though he was underdeveloped, underdeveloped in the overall runtime of the movie. And I will say, uh, I did have a minor complaint on my second viewing of that scene. Where I was kind of like, oh, you know, Natiri, again, she feels so... Like, she's so not the focus that when she visits this this moment... It's not even really about her. She's just watching the father and son from the background, like hidden in the shadows. Like, did she not have a moment with her son that was impactful that she could have seen? I, I, I don't know. And I understand why they wouldn't show us that, but it just further kind of put the hammer on the on the head of like, wow, she's so just secondary in this movie. Well, I just won't get into this while we're on this. Um, so, I had seen in one of the reviews. Someone compared the laying down of the first son's body into the undersea anemone. They were saying how it evoked a scene from um, Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind, the Hayao Miyazaki movie, Mm -hmm. which I thought I had watched two or three years ago for the first time. So because of that video, I decided to go back and watch the movie Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. And you guys have seen it, right? Oh, yeah. Many times. Saw it last month again. Rock and roll. All right. So I watched it thinking it was going to be my second viewing. Turns out it was my first viewing. And so I just watched the whole movie a couple days ago. (laughs) And I was like, holy shit, Burger. Like, forget about the anemone. I mean, yes, it's there. But this movie, Nausicaa is obviously one of the major influences of Avatar, um, especially Way of the Water in particular. Well, you're not wrong with Avatar, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and it's it's very clear. But not only that, but it seems like Nausicaa, um, the, the heroine of the movie, um, she seems like very much the inspiration for Kiri. Mm-hmm. And it, it really seems like Kiri is going to go along these lines of this character and further. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So yeah, for those who haven't seen Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, and, and if you'd like Avatar, definitely watch that movie. There are so many parallels, it's ridiculous. Both franchises, by the way. As both have been impacted by it. Yeah. Yeah, Avatar Last Airbender. Oh no, that movie's, that movie's fucking incredible. Yeah, I love that thing. Going back to how the Navi can essentially like yes they do need a little air pack to exist in human um atmosphere but you know they can go a lot longer 
which Spider laments. Like, it's everything's so unfair. But, and he's right. But I thought that was... So, there's the other thing. Um, the duality of things was such a big part of the first movie, which I bring up every time I've talked about Avatar in a podcast, including, including on this feed. And man, did did Cameron just double down on all the, dual, all the duality in this movie, I felt. And that was an interesting one, because when Isaac mentioned it earlier, that, that sparked a new thought, which was, like, even that whole business of Quaritch holding his breath in the first movie when he's exposed to the, the atmosphere, or even the Navi just having to take a little suck off their their little uh, face mask every now and then. That's just another weird duality to the to the reef people and how they're able to hold their breath for so long um, in the underwater environment and then just taking a breath intermittently and then going back. Like I just thought that was another amazing piece of duality of which there is a ton in this movie. And I really think that's what this movie... Again, it's doubling down on that concept from the first movie and taking it even further, I think. And not just with that, with a laundry list of things. Just, like, go watch all of Hayao Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli's films. Because <laughs> they're freaking awesome. And, like, yeah, you, you'd think that if if creators now in the West have never seen that and they're just like, oh, it's a happy coincidence that we've come up with these original ideas. It's like, no, they've been done elsewhere. You're not thinking original. It's just a happy coincidence that you thought of it, even if you didn't see it somewhere. <laughs> Well, you're not the first one to discover the wheel. Sorry, but yeah, go watch this. Well, I think it's ironic because uh, using the wheel is against um, uh, not being code and religion. But um, I, well, I think Hayazaki got his. I mean, he obviously got ideas from original works, just like all those works that Cameron has borrowed from. Also, mostly got them from other original uh, written works as well. Um, hey, yeah, uh, let's not be knocking the, the master that is Hayao Miyazaki. Me and Isaac are uh, big acolytes. Yes, the maestro himself. <laughs> when did I knock him? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're... I got his box set. I can see it. It's right there in front of me. Uh, thank you, sir. Yeah, you should be watching it daily and studying. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I actually like it like spread out. It's actually better that way. <laughs> and it's crazy that it has the whole poisonous atmosphere angle anyway that's that's not that. no 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 no. that's different that's that's actually a science fiction angle of like just because that's a real world thing of like if we went to another environment that wouldn't be that whole like you know like poisonous atmosphere that's just a different thing entirely so like i think one other way you could show like memorable but and first off is it called utilitarian where they only serve to like die um uh, what's it? Uh, mm -hmm. Brian Cranston's character at the beginning of Godzilla 2014. Oh, so yeah, with um, Natiyam, I believe, uh, which I guess is Natiri, but like the like the male version. So apparently he's supposed to look like his mom more, which I mean makes sense. Mothers look like or sons look like their mothers, and daughters look like their fathers. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, uh, with him, I actually kind of uh, I agree with both of you. Uh, there wasn't much to him other than, like, he's the older brother. He's following his dad's orders more. Mm. Um, what I actually kind of wish they did do, though, is that the brother, um, Loak, he's, he's, you know, having this bond with this with the whale, right? Yeah. Um, and he also has his eyes set with uh, the girl, with the chief's daughter. 
I was kind of hoping that, maybe not hoping, but thinking of this now, I kind of wish that the Loak would have died. Uh, because then the brother now has to be identified by his brother, if that makes sense. Netiem has to be uh, now fill the role of his brother of, like, you know, mourning with his, you know, potential brother's girlfriend and forming this bond with the whale. I think that would have been interesting. I'm not saying it would have been better. I'm just well, saying yeah, that's... So you're saying if the if the younger one died and then the older brother had to bond with the whale, is that what and you're saying? And take his girl, like take his place. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah basically. That's which weird. is now the Ooh, first film That just all seems over wild. Again. That doesn't seem wild. Well, it's the first film all over again. <laughs> but it would be a subversion because now, you, like, cause now you're just like... I It would be a subversion. This. Yeah, it really would be. I think that's the Rian Johnson version of Way of the Water. I don't know about that, but... Yeah, I was going to say... Uh, I can see where you're going, Isaac, but I think it would—I think it would uh, confuse audiences in a, a way that wouldn't be positive. I could see folks being like, "Oh, like his brother died, and next thing you know, he's moving on his girl." This is—I this is know that—that's—that's that's, that's <laughs> fair, but like, or at least comfort her, and then maybe a relationship develops in a way that he—he he has like, because it wasn't—I'm glad they didn't go that angle. That's—that's that's fair, because he shoot him. He saw the two of them, like you know, he Netsium saw Loak and the girl, uh, the chief's daughter, being you know, like kind of like an item, and he's like. He kind of had rolled his eyes like whatever, but he, so he wasn't inter- interested her in her. Excuse me, but like that would be interesting if they did go with that angle or if Campbell went with that angle. But I'll, of course not. So I think it'd be a different saga. Um, I didn't, I didn't hear the whole part of your answer when you were talking about resemblance of the kids to their parents. Did you all notice the biological differences of between the different Sully Navi children? No, like uh, the fingers and the faces, or I know it's the fingers, but <laughs> and fingers. Yeah, yeah, the fingers. The fingers is one is one is a major part of it. Yes, the only two of them. I didn't notice it in the 3D because in the 3D version, like I said, I can't see nuances like that because of the the dimness and etc. Um, but in the 2D version, it was as obvious as anything to me, and it's so fascinating. So the the tells of the human DNA, whatever you want to call it, in a Navi form, are the fingers and the eyebrows. Because native Pandorans do not have eyebrows. But but the human spliced ones do have eyebrows and the extra finger. And I just thought it was fascinating that um, the older brother and Took resemble the more native Pandorans. And um, Kiri... And um, second son, Black. have the human, the humanistic characteristics, mm-hmm. and I just think that's just really interesting and fascinating. And I don't think it'll. Well, we we get why Carrie does. I guess we get that these this kind of gene is, I guess, like a recessive gene sort of thing between a mating avatar with a with a indigenous person. So I get that. But reading into things, I think there's a symbolic reason why Kiri and Second Son specifically have the human traits. And I think it is alluding to things to come in the, in the future of the series. Apparently, Awa likes humans. I don't know why. <laughs> or like certain humans, I guess. I don't know. Um, by the way, this is weird, but like... Not weird, but back on Kiri, uh, I thought... Because I remember the, again, similar, like, I think, to, uh, uh, what's his name? Not Quartz's actor. Um, when they were bringing him back, um, I was like, 
I read an interview somewhere with Weaver talking about like, oh yeah, they're gonna bring my character back, and I did not know how. I was like, we, as we yeah. got closer to this release, I was like, are we gonna have like Grace come in talking from Awa, like she's the projection of Awa in a way? She's not Awa herself, of course, but just like a a form you're more comfortable with. Uh, that trope. Well, we well, we we already saw that though. What do you mean? We saw that in a way when Kiri connected to the sacred place. She was kind of seeing the original Grace, but I think it was also the embodiment of Awa as well she was seeing. Potentially. It was a combination of the two. Um, but the whole time I was questioning, uh, like looking at Kiri the whole time, I was like, okay, what the, why does she look so familiar? Like, what is, oh, wow. who's this actor that's, who's this actor that's playing her? Is that Sigourney <laughs> Weaver I hear? Like, it sounds like her, but it doesn't at the same time. So I was, yeah, no, I was, like, completely fooled. Because, like I said, I do not look at, like, behind-the-scenes stuff before I watch a film. Uh, and then, turns out, yeah, it was played by and voiced by Sigourney. I was like, dang, that is, like you said, some de-aging right there. Yeah, and I think I mentioned our first, uh, first discussion. Because I, I go to the theater, like, once a week, sometimes twice a week. So I've seen that those Avatar trailers probably 20 times or more. And at a certain point, I was like, you know, that that one character, I, I'm pretty sure she's played by Sigourney Weaver. The voice, I think she had like one or two lines in the trailer. And I was like, that voice certainly sounds like her. So coming in, I definitely ex was expecting it to be her. And after a few lines, I was like, that's definitely her. So I was just wondering how that all worked out in the mocap uh, filming sessions, because all the other kid voice actors, um, like their size appropriate to each other, like in real life. Mm. Um, like when they're, sh and then you just had Sigourney Weaver standing there yeah. <laughs> being like the odd duck. Cause you would have like, you know, Jake there and then the kids and they're all size appropriate in real life. And what's crazy is that the actor who plays spider, um, he's actually six foot in real life. Of course he is. Which is crazy. He, he doesn't, he, he doesn't come across as six foot like in the movie, but yeah, he really is in real life. Like, well, was he six foot when he was 13? Though? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought there was a difference. Right? I don't... It, that I have not sussed out, but I also don't know... Well, let me... I'll figure it out now. Is he as young as all the others are? Um, I don't know, but I'll I'll find out. Yeah, right he's now. still a young guy. I, I apologize if you're listening to this, but I, I don't mean that. It's just like, I, maybe you were six foot when you are 13 and you still, you're still going to grow to like six, eight or something like that. Well, I was six foot when I was 14, but I'm not in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I was still a good guy. But. Oh, he is 18 presently. So, yeah, he would have been like 13 or 14 when he shot the movie. And, and he was the one that I thought had some of the more spotty deliveries, but he was also the one given the most dramatic weight. So uh, maybe it was just a lot more for him to, to handle those scenes. I just felt sorry for the actor being in the loincloth all the time. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. Also, he was a ripped 13 year old. I got to say that. He really worked out on that. I think he was cast for that. Yeah. But I do think he was one of the, gave one of the better performances, and his character has a lot of uh, uh, dynamic elements to him. I'm excited to see how they develop that. And it does, I did on my first film be like, ah, you know, even though this, this relationship with Korich feels kind of contrived, it feels kind of inserted retroactively, which of course it was, um, it still did deliver some good drama for the movie, and... I think their little dynamic there was a lot more interesting than anything in that first Avatar in terms of characters. So, so I was happy to see that. Yeah, agreed. Um, 
Here's here's one thing um, that I well one I'm just, I'm just gonna say it, and he will uh, just on the end of with when Natsium dies and he you know he descends into like you know the coral sea or the um, not the coral but to the sea and enemy uh, like field, and he will come uh, wearing cl clad in blue clothing and uh, walk on the field of gold. Um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what it was from Nelska of the Valley of the Wind, but that's still such a great like image. Uh, I was moved by that piece at least. Um, but here's something I wanted to ask. Or maybe not ask, but pose. I was a little bit annoyed by this because I thought I knew that Cameron was going to have kids in this. Um, I was really, I was thinking like that maybe this is a little hokey, but I actually thought that uh, Jake and Natiri were going to name them. I don't know if this is, you know, if you can do this in. Uh, Navi culture, or at least the forest Navi culture. I forget their, uh, their their tribe's name. I don't know if it's, you know, you're allowed to do this or not, but I was hoping that, like, maybe they would name some of their kids after some of the deceased people. Uh, so, like, we were gonna have, uh, what's his name? Uh, the one who was betrothed to marry, um, uh, what is it? Uh, the one who was betrothed to marry uh, uh Tiri, yeah, thank you. What's his name? And then also her dad. I thought they were gonna name uh, one of their boys after her dad, so they had two kids right there and i also thought one of them was going to be named after um like obviously naviized uh like you know in, in navi form but they were going to name somebody after uh what's her name either grace or um oh what was her uh what was her name trudy, trudy. i thought they were going to name like yeah trudy uh just because again just because they all bond just as in like memory of but they didn't do that but that's i guess fine i just i was kind of hoping that they were going to do that um, how did you guys feel about the, the length of the movie? Because that was another thing that those guys, uh, that that group that I was standing next to, they were like, wow, like, I didn't realize it was this long, but I, it's like, it's over three hours. And like, I was like, whoa, like, yeah, I didn't know it was going to be this long coming in. And I was just standing there like, really? You guys don't check the runtime before you go see a movie? This seems strange to nope. me. No, they don't. But, <laughs> but yeah, did, did you guys, like, knowing that it was going to be over three hours... Did you feel it when you're watching it, or did it start to drag? I'm gonna get started with you, Isaac. Oh, okay. So, uh, so Caleb knows this about. Uh, we we both knew about this, but there was an article that I sent, or maybe I, I maybe mentioned it to you. But it was basically somebody asked Cameron, like, when's the since it's three hours and twelve minutes, uh, when do you go to the bathroom? Like, when can you go to the bathroom? And what did, what did Cameron say, Caleb? Always oh, said you can go whenever because you'll catch that scene the next time you see it. <laughs> it's some like hokey '90s way of saying it. Um, uh, but so what I did was, uh, of course, I got a medium-sized <laughs> popcorn, should I got a large, and I got a large-sized uh, bottle of uh, Fruitopia, and of course, by the hour mark, I had to go to the bathroom. Um, so what did I do? I could have easily gone to the bathroom when I, I should have done this. I should have gone when we saw. Um, Loak and the whale uh, interact. I should have gone then. That would have been perfect. But <laughs> oh, that's you know, a great I did. Scene. You know what I? You know, it is a great scene. But I'm just saying because I already saw it for the re-release or for the, you know the, the little sneak preview. Let me guess. You, you peed in your cup. Yeah, exactly. No, what I did. What I did, Eric, was I waited till like the end of the credits to see if if Cameron was gonna like you know um, meet industry standards and have a post-credit scene, which he did not. Bless your soul, Cameron. 
Um, and then I went to the bathroom. So, James Cameron, I if I have this on record, I'm speaking to you. If you ever listen to this podcast, since you're a big fan of us, uh, go and yeah, he's a listener. I I sat through the entire film having to take a leak, and I did take a leak before I watched the film. So, yeah, I I didn't I didn't take your advice. I I can watch the film again without having to worry about using the bathroom. I did that with I made that mistake with Dune. I'm not making that mistake with this. I always Google during the credits Me too. to see if I need to wait. <laughs> Why would I waste my time? I also want to give credit to all those, even though this means nothing at all and doesn't yes. affect them. I like to like <laughs> sit down and like wait because everybody's name is on screen. Now I'm obviously not seeing every person's name, <laughs> but um, you couldn't possibly. I, at least like to give, I like to give credit to them <laughs> just by like sitting, sitting, giving credit to them by sitting through the credits. There we go. I have literally peed in three cups during this podcast recording, but oh I don't my. think that really answered the question fully. Yes, I agree. It did not answer. Oh, the what question. I think, yeah, no, I, I, sorry, I just that was a that was a preamble. Um, so it actually kind of does affect my answer because even though I caught everything um, within the, uh, with I was still watching the movie. I still really had to like I held that that into my bladder the whole time. I don't know if like Caleb saw me like prancing up and down yes. in the way. Like, I was really trying to not make it obvious, but I still was. And I was even thinking, as like, he's probably got to pee, and this is probably affecting his viewing of the movie. Uh, it did not. It did, it did not. Two way, I actually used the fact that when uh, the, the uh, chief's daughter, when she was saying, like, here's how you hold your breath, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do the exact same thing to, like, suck in all that, like, urine and, and like, hold it within <laughs> my bladder even oh, more, no. get it back into the kidneys, even though that's probably what is bad. What's happening right but now? I, like, I know. Let's get back to the question here. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was times when I knew when the the like I, I actually knew when like in my head I knew when like the, the like the first hour ended and the second hour ended. And I kind of knew like when it was about to like come to the climax. Um, I knew when the exploration stuff was gonna happen. I knew like when that was gonna happen. So I at least liked that most of the stuff was kind of like I think. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't think there was like too much time spent. Obviously, again, there's with the Tiri, I thought they were gonna spend more time with the like the military avatar Navi. I was thinking that they were also gonna like spend more time with them. I gotta call baloney on on when um, when Korich comes in. He's like, all right, from here on out, we're we're going Navi, and they they didn't do that. They were gonna eat, we're gonna eat, we're gonna sleep, we're gonna crap, we're gonna do that. I'm like freaking like i even thought to myself like yeah they're like, like they're actually gonna do that and they did of course they did not also nice little shout out to a smart gun by the way from aliens uh i saw that where there was a guy with like a nail gun or whatever it was and he had like a was a camera arm attachment there i was like nice smart gun reference cameron very subtle um but like also handheld flamethrowers surprisingly but anyways uh, no, I, I kind of called the crap on that. I, I was expecting a longer film, or at least some more things to develop. Oh my god. Like said. Um, but like, obviously, <laughs> like I said, uh, there is no director's cut, so that's kind of sad. Um, but for overall length, like, other than having to, again, use the bathroom, I I could watch this again. I, I will sit through this again if I, when, when, when I go back and watch it again. I got no problem with uh, sitting through a three hour and a half Three and a half hour movie, excuse me. Uh, I can do it. Eric, what, what did you think? I mean, I thought, like the first one, it does not feel like a full three hours to me because I'm sufficiently entertained, especially upon first viewing. Now, during second viewing, while it still goes by at a fair clip for me overall, there are some bits 
that I just want to get past. Um, and actually, there was something that dragged a little bit for not dragged, but I wasn't fully in yet. Like I didn't feel like the movie had started for me uh, the first time, which is, and a lot of people said that this movie feels like, like it could be a six-part, thirty-minute episode um, Disney Plus show. Yeah, and, and and watching it the movies is like binging the whole series, because you can almost mark things off at thirty-minute marks if you want to, which I get. But even the first time I watched it, I was not fully into Pandora and into the movie until they got to the Reef people. Um, the parts where he was catching us up on the last 10 years, especially the train scene and whatnot, and then Spider getting kidnapped. Yes, I needed to know that. But seeing the whatever the floating hills are called, I can't remember what the name All of that place is called. Yes. Like, when I saw it, even the first viewing of the movie, at Way of the Water, I was like, ugh, like, this stuff doesn't look special anymore. Like, I already know this stuff. Like, it, it's not wowing me at all. And it's not until they got to the water, um, the reef people, and then I was like, oh, this is it. This is it. Like, now I'm in the movie. And I know you need all the other bits, but honestly, for me, I... and And the reason I'll see it again or I'll be okay seeing it again at the movies um, soon is I just love all the bits being with the reef people going underwater and seeing the Sully family have to learn the new ways. Like, yes, I know we have to cut back to spider and Quaritch and, and, and this and that, but oh, I just want to, I just always want to get back to the sea stuff and the Sully's integrating that's just the best stuff for me. Um, but I get it. Um, you need it all. Uh, ultimately, you need it all. Um, but I'm, I'm cool. When a movie like takes you away, whatever it takes me away, then it can be as long as it needs to be, and I, I never complain. Caleb, runtime for you. Yes or no? No, no. I think, uh, I think it could have easily shaved off 15 minutes and been the better for it. I especially feel it in the big action climax. Like, it's, it basically, I, I didn't time it out as well as I should have, but I think it was about a 45-minute thing from yeah, when they're first so. um, captured. And even the, the capture scene of them under the water and the little uh, submersibles are chasing them around, I feel like that could have been trimmed, definitely. Yeah, And then you're right. we get multiple captures there where the yeah. kids will be freed and then brought back and then freed again and... I was like, we could have streamlined this and had a much more straightforward action scene here. And I think the movie would have been better served. And I even wondered at one point, I was like, we have all this time here, but yet there's things that I don't understand. Like during that big epic battle, um, at some point there's the, the water tribe folks there helping them out. And then they just disappear and they're no longer a part of the action because it needs to be Sully focused. And I was like, in all this big runtime, you couldn't have given us like one line to tell us that, oh, they're heading back home. They're done with the battle now that they've, uh... Actually, they didn't even capture their kids or get them back. They just disappeared for no reason. Did you guys notice that? <laughs> my my headcanon for that whole thing was they were still hunting, like, any of the submersible humans. Because I know... I think, uh, Kiri only took out, like, one little submersible. Uh, or was it a spy... One of the spider, uh, submersibles. I don't remember. But I'm pretty sure, like, I, I in my headcanon, they were just, like in the background fighting everybody else and fo camera was solely focused on 
the Sully conflict. Um, and I know I I'm surprised that like at least I mean I get Eric liked you know both uh, or all the the children characters, but I'm especially questioning Caleb what you thought of Took because like especially like I I think I almost turned to you when she said I can't believe I'm tied up again. Yeah, I literally wanted to look at you and say like you you hate this character, don't you? No, no, there's nothing to hate there. I think the it's a charming design, a charming performance. Okay. Um, I actually wanted to lean over to you uh, after uh, when they're about to escape the ship after they get yep. back the kids, and then two get sucked into that like water thing, and oh, what the flip? Tyr reaches over to get her, and I wanted to lean over and be like, Ripley, Ripley. I fucking <laughs> knew. I fucking knew you were going there. And again, so much of those scenes I feel like could have been trimmed when they're just stranded in there. So, can I ask you, Caleb, just, I know I'll, I'll get into that, but, like, can I ask you, like, do you think this is Newt updated to 2022, or Tuke, or, like, <laughs> Tuke, Newt, what the flip camera, fair enough, um, because both are adorable and cute, um, you don't want to see anything happen, do you think she's like Newt in a way, or? Uh, not really, no. I figured, I think you'd say that. Doesn't serve the same purpose in the script, doesn't have a similar background. Or... It's not the same purpose, but they are purposeful in a similar way. Uh, not just the similar yeah. situation of, um, well, cause, because, well, because in, in Aliens, as stated when we talked about that, um, setting up the motherhood for Ripley is important because it shows the duality of the mother queen. Yeah. Um, and it sets them up as foils for each other. Um, and then it doesn't serve that purpose in way of the water no. in particular. I mean, as setting up a foil. Certainly not. But it just sets up the mother thing uh, in general. And without that mother thing, then Natiri truly would have nothing in this movie. Um, so I think it throws her a bone uh, and, and gives her more use in the movie where she is, yes, a background character. Yeah, but her bigger bone comes with her moment with Spider. So it feels like, uh, yes, like this other part of it doesn't really add much. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's true too. In the in the grand scheme of things, that is more important. But um, you said that the Reef kids weren't. Did you say that they they didn't take their kids? Yeah, because that uh, at least that one chick uh, whose name I can't remember. Chief's daughter. Chief's daughter. Yeah, she's with the Sullys the whole time. She is is one of the ones that gets uh, imprisoned second or doesn't actually she almost gets in prison and thrown off she gets yeah one and then gets freed and then goes and watches right. over netium's dead body right 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 yeah she gets captured the first time but but not the second time yeah and they come for her the first time and then basically once the eclipse comes they all return to their village seemingly right right you're right and you're right they could have had a throwaway line but at the but i also don't think it's that's all i needed <laughs> just something to explain it because both times i was like wait a minute what like, shouldn't they be involved here? Where's that chief? Shouldn't he be helping Jake? But they just, they left their daughter. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I felt an explanation would have helped, but it wasn't necessary in the flow of things. But it would have been, it would have helped. Now again, I, I gotta hound you, Caleb. Like, you 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 have that thing, again, with, with aliens. You had that thing, or not aliens, you were saying, like, you hate the fact that, or this is just in movies in general, you hate the fact that, like, you know, you put a child on screen, and that's an automatic, like, Oh, we have to care for this person. Was that I, that? That's my biggest thing with you with two. Was she just put on there to like be a worry wart for the audience? Like, I hope nothing happens to her. Well, no, because she's really not the focus of almost any scene. 
she's just kind of there as a part of their unit that I'm assuming is going to be explored more. Okay. But uh, even the scenes of people in peril, she's just a, a another party of the peril. She's not the focus of it. Fair enough. Just I agree with that, but there's still a little part of me that nagged how Took got caught up in all the times that shit went down. Because um, going back to when they go back to the... Uh, the old battleground and then yeah again later in the climax now as for the climax here's where i'm coming in so cameron is heavily borrowing from himself again we see i see abyss and i see titanic obviously the thing of like you know rose going back for jack and then they have to go back again for that little boy uh, and the dad who just died um because cameron just wants to show like you know the peril i guess and the the sadness of the ship dying, I guess. But he's got that with the climax. But it's not just Terminator and Aliens, though. I mean, Abyss. It's all of the Cameron movies. Well, I haven't seen Piranha. But, I mean, it's Aliens. It's Terminator. It's even just got some true lies in there as well. It's it's everything. Um, oh, yeah. No, the true lies thing, except I did not. I, I had to think about this again. I did not see any instance of like person versus suit because he would have done that last film, so he he avoided that this time. I even thought like, okay, technically both Jake and Korich are in avatars, but not really because they're now like fully avatars, so like they're not in suits anymore. Um, so, but then I could just say like, oh yeah, Jake's in a suit like in the previous film when he was in the avatar body, and then there was no person versus suit, but there was whale versus ship. Which was freaking awesome. I also like the fact that every time um, the the whaler, the main guy, he like fired that harpoon at the whale, it just deflected yeah. off his um, his uh, his forehead. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was well done. So that was cool. But we have. I love the hovercraft, by the way. I think it was a really cool thing. I think it's a little bit too big, or I think it's I think it's size appropriate, but I feel like it's bigger than it should be. In a way, it kind of reminds me of the fairy in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, but anyways, I like the design of it. We get a good glimpse of it, you know, how it, like, opens up. Um, and it's, I think it's used pretty well in the in the climax. I don't know why. I enjoyed that climax. Maybe it was a little, like, you could say it's too, I don't know, like, they're, they're too much, like, superheroes by that point where they're, like, killing everybody. I liked it. I like the fact that it's, like, the husband and wife, like, working in unison and just like picking off soldiers and like you know avatars at once i think it was really cool um personally and then like you know the battle with quaritch i think that was good i'll give you guys the floor right now to like you know we're probably or your view can be excuse me (laughs) take it away eric no it was all good that was all good it's nothing to rebuke or rebuttal no all that stuff was fun it was great yeah, I'd say I like the pieces that felt more dramatic, felt more character-driven. Um, but I, I do feel like the extended action end section of the movie is way too long. And it just starts to feel mind-numbing for me. I am still with you, Caleb. I did enjoy the dramatic bits, though. But I can enjoy both the dramatic stuff and the action stuff. Because I just eat that action stuff like it was <laughs> ice cream. I thought the actual fighting of that 45 minutes was fine. I just felt the potential drowning situations were a little bit long. Okay, maybe the the hand-to-hand with Quaritch and, and Sully also was a little bit longer than I needed. But the potential will they drown 
that could have been shortened. Oh me. my goodness! As soon as they both brought, like you know, uh, Jake goes back to fight him, uh, fight Quartz with the knife. I'm like, why do I all of a sudden have flashbacks to the raid two? I was like, oh, this is kind of awesome. I kind of now want to just go watch the raid two again, just as a good excuse, just to see a good knife fight. Uh, not that it wasn't a great knife fight, but I kind of wanted to see like a legit like martial arts action scene. Um, we sort of had that, but yeah, we had another. It was basically once again from the abyss. Uh, between Bud and Coffee. Yeah, I saw you in the in the theater there when they were like grappling under the water. You were getting way into it, dude. I fucking like <laughs> saw him either do like either it was like an arm, either he, I can't tell if he like no 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 yeah. Korich did a triangle on Jake and then he did a clean armbar. I saw that. I was like, oh, Jake's not getting out of this one. I know what it feels like. <laughs> and then, like, the roles are reversed when, like, the ships are just saying, also, underwater juju. I'm like, let's go. I got to try this with my buds. Uh, and then, then Jake <laughs> gets a perfect rear naked on him. And I'm like, bud, I have been, I literally said this under my breath. You probably heard me. But I oh, said, I like, <laughs> bud, I have been, like, been nearly, like, choked unconscious by one of those before. But I will, like, attest that he has it on perfectly. And that bud's not coming back, and then of course yeah. he came back. I'm like, what the fudge? I heard you say that too. It's like, oh, perfect, perfect. I was like, yes. <laughs> jits on, the, uh, yeah, jits shown on screen. Thank you, Cameron, for knowing your stuff. Um, and then I thought, wait, is he dead? Because his water's now filling with lungs, but he's unconscious. It's almost like uh, the abyss where uh, Lindsay she gets, you know, but except they're on the bottom of the ocean and it's not cold. Anyways, whatever. Sorry, guys, take it away. There's just two big things for me. Um, to get out like I said the duality of things in the first movie was a big thing like comparing and contrasting um, like for every bit of technology the humans had like in the first movie there is a Pandoran um, analog of it and that was a big thing in the first movie and Cameron just goes wild because that is duplicated in this movie and then some but on top of that, on top of there being a Pandoran analog for, for all the human uh, technology. But, I mean, it goes further. Because, yeah, there's like the mech suits, and which makes humans like avatars. And they have their new suits that make them even more like um, Navi, in a way. Being taller and more limber uh, and thinner. Um and there's the obvious stuff like that. And then, like, you know, the Navi have their sea creatures to get them around. And then, of course, the humans have their technological equivalent. So there's all that stuff the same as there was in the first movie. But it goes even way further than that in this. Because, you know, yeah, like, um, Navi can live forever by being plugged into the, the Aoa Matrix. But now humans have the same technological thing. Where they can back up their memories in like kind of the same way, and notice Kiri learns about her mother in both ways, the human way and the Pandoran way, because she goes to the control center specifically to go watch those old um, um, log entries by her mother, which is the human way of like connecting to the past, and then of course she meets her mother through the Aoa tree as well. Um, so all that stuff is mimicked and, and it's, it's crazy. But then even more is that now that Quaritch is permanently in a Navi type body, he go, his character, his new, the new version of his character 
goes through the, the Jake arc himself, and he goes through like Jake's learning of Pandora, except it's Quaritch style. And that's an interesting thing to compare and contrast how Quartz dealt with like getting his banshee and all that other kind of stuff. And they do the same thing where like at first, like Jake, Quartz like wears boots um, at first in his in his Navi form. But you see later that him and his squad ditch all the boots. Even though they still wear their uniforms, they just go barefoot because it just makes more sense, which is what Jake did in the first movie. Um, and it, it's just crazy, crazy how there's just everything is a foil of everything. And it, it is like I, I'm just up at night just like thinking about it over and over in all the ways. Um, so that stuff is just wild to me. Uh, but then the other big thing besides that for me is that I, I suspected this before, as I said. Like when we knew that there was going to be a bit, this was going to evolve into a big series. Um, Cameron's borrowing from so many things, and rightfully so. I mean, it makes sense to use these other works that are kind of in the same vein and to kind of like work with a lot of that same structure and and whatever and composition. And and like I said, I I really feel like when I went back and watched Avatar for this podcast. Um, I realized how much more I feel Dune is the biggest influence on this Avatar stuff. Much more so than Dance with Wolves and Ferngully and all that other stuff. Um, and, and Dune is one of those things that sets that template of, of... And even though I haven't even read all the Dune novels, I only know thumbnail versions of some of the things that happen later in the, in the Dune saga. Um, but still, my understanding of that... My limited understanding of the Ender's Game series, um, my understanding of like Harry, how Harry Potter and Star Wars work as sagas, it just the way things unfolded and revealed themselves in this movie, and then thinking about what's to come in the sequels based upon the titles, based upon things that Cameron has said in interviews, um, it just makes sense that eventually, yeah, this is this whole thing is really not about Jake and, and Natiri. Ultimately, it's going to be about their kids and probably those two kids in particular. Um, we know what the, we know now. The humans are not just about uh, unobtainium and not even just about the life serum, the fountain of youth stuff. But really, they want to take Pandora and make it like Earth Two or something. Yeah. Um, and I really think I, I really think you can we can make some really educated guess guesses. On what could happen in the third movie, the fourth, and the fifth. Atmosphere processing station 2.0. Yeah, let's save that for a, a future bonus episode if we can. Okay. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I think something else is going to... I mean, they may try that, but that's that's not where things are going to end up. I also, think. Children of Doom. Dune, sorry. Yeah, and again, I, I'll, I'll just say I, I really don't see the Dune comparisons. I mean... <laughs> I think it's all there except for... Oh, because... Oh, Okay, here's one thing, just to throw some more bones to the Dune, even though I think it's 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 all Dune without the feudal stuff. Um, wow. <laughs> other than, like, the tribes, but from... Because, like, look, like, by introducing these whale-like creatures, they basically are the sandworms of the sea. And and this this tribe, they're, they're worm riders, except they're not worm riders, they're whale riders. And not only that... Like, why are the worms so important to the planet Arrakis? 
because they're the ones who through their biological processes make the spice which is the most valuable thing and what is now the most valuable thing this um this serum thing Rain. so it this is just furthering the connections of dune uh, well yeah well <laughs> again I, I that's a very uh low level uh, version of what the the sandworms do and to, to fit your comparison but it's, it's you're right really. <laughs> you're right and then when i was watching um uh when i was thinking about carrie and then i was watching a video that was talking about the first avatar movie the other day and i just realized like when jake had his moment when he um connected to aoa the first time it that was his moment of drinking the water of life um but the reason i say it's more like dune is not just because of all the stuff that connects to the first dune novel but because of further connections i think that will happen down the road um not necessarily direct connections but of where this franchise is going to go in the future beyond pandora oh yeah i thought when they showed the sacred place by the way uh the underwater coral when we saw like you know the fact that it was like the same rings i'm like okay wait are we got like a stargate reference here where it's like they're gonna go to the other planet like that's what I thought they were gonna <laughs> okay. do. We're like we're gonna be able to like travel to like another planet potentially with these things, but probably not. Just be grappling with stuff. I don't think those are stargates, but I think we are gonna go to some other planets or moons more specifically. Okay, so since they're not gonna use nukes, why didn't they like land their um, their their um, their spacecrafts above the um, uh, the sacred village or the sacred place? Excuse me, uh, the sacred tree. Like, why didn't they just do that? That would demoralize them. And heck, why haven't they attacked it yet? Like, why haven't they, like, tried what Quaritch did? Because um, they don't care about the Navi, so, like, why wouldn't they just, you know, do that? So I thought that was pretty stupid of them not to do that. Especially when, like, Jake's the one that's, like, protecting them, and now he's on the run because of Quaritch. Like, that's the perfect time to, like, take on those, like, uh, the Navi. Um, unless they're afraid that another... Like, Are you saying why didn't they finish off the... The, the tree tribe? Is that what you're saying? Not just that, but I mean, like, the actual sacred tree. Like, the place itself. Like, why did they destroy it? Like, wouldn't that demoralize them? It wasn't clear to me if maybe they did or didn't. But it's not clear in the movie. Because I'm still unsure if maybe they did. Like, but but it's, it's... I don't know. Again, I feel like they should have. Uh, just Or at least that should have been brought up. Unless it's, again, going to be brought up later. I'm not saying, like, they always have to, but it's just, like... The sacred thing that would like demoralize them all. So, so if humans want to conquest this planet, like why aren't they like, you know, immediately removing that? I see what you're saying, but I think it's because even though they they know it on paper, they don't fully understand um, how crippling it really would be. That's that's totally fair. But I'm I'm waiting for that basically of like you, you humans are stupid for for not doing that. Uh, and two, Caleb, we didn't talk. I I, I put a pin in it before. We didn't talk about our uh, other avatar connection, though, because even though he's, once again, playing another chief role, we have the Fire Lord here uh, amongst the cast. Yep, Cliff Cliff Curtis back again. Yeah, you're good, bud. Yep. Um, It's kind of funny that he was in, like, Avatar, uh, or sorry, Last Airbender, and now he's the chief uh, in this film, so I thought that was pretty funny. I thought he was, I thought both uh, the, uh, at least the main tribe chiefs were both Maori. I was like, oh, this is perfect. And then it's like, no, it's, they're, they're not. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a missed opportunity, but whatever. And at this moment, I have nothing else, so we can give the rating and our final thoughts on this film and then get to the overall series. Or overall, like, yeah, Jimmy Cameron retrospective. 
Yeah, and who started? I guess it was Isaac, so I guess you can start with the, the final thoughts. Okay, so I'll uh, I'll say I enjoy this film a lot. I want to see it again. I did enjoy the, the new characters, the new kids. I think I see what Eric's going for, where it's like Jake and Interior no longer, they'll be like, you know, phased out. I think while that's probably the case, I hope they do give the, like both characters at least something to do, because at least this film... I assume, Caleb, you felt like... How did you think of Jake, by the way? I never asked you this, but what did you think of Jake throughout the film? Was he much more of, like, an actual character? Or was he still, like, just a jarhead and, like, you know, a guy who acts? And even Sam Worthington's performance. I think Worthington gave it more than he did the first movie. Uh, but I still don't care for the character. I just don't find it interesting. Got it. Okay. Even, like, the fact that it's just, Oh, it's all about fatherhood. It's like, okay, fair enough. Um... That, 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 that's fair. I think they could have done more with that, but that's just me. Um, but anyways, you know, like I said, I, 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 even though Eric is probably right that we should be looking at this as like one larger cog in the machine of this larger franchise, we still should at least look at this, treat this like you know, uh, a like its own movie. And I think uh, it was good in that sense. I think they, I think it does stand up on its own. I think there's a lot of like character arcs that like maybe not come to a full on close but like whatever arcs there are in here it, it happened um but yeah i basically enjoyed it i enjoyed the music um i enjoyed the end song with the weekend i think that was really cool uh and yeah i miss james horner you'll be missed but i think the uh poser for this film i forget his name uh, i think he took over pretty well i'd say uh, adding his own mix and adding, bringing in... I think he also worked in the first film as well, so that really helps, um, you know, not replace Horner, but, you know, take over what Horner was doing. I think that helps a lot. So, yeah, Jimmy, you uh, you did a good job, but um, I'm sorry, but I, I have to I have to give this a 0 out of 5. I'm, I'm really sorry. I have to I have to give this a, a big old 0 out of 5 because of one thing that really stank. Because there was no random can of Canada Dry Ginger Ale in the background. Oh, it's a reference back to Terminator, Eric, since you weren't on that one. All the way back to Terminator. It's like, Cameron, 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 what are you doing? There probably was, that was like an Easter egg that didn't catch. Well, that or just, they, I don't know if it was product placement or they literally just forgot it was there. But like, ah, Cameron, what are you doing, buddy? Like, come on, Jimmy, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I think I'm, I think I'm next in line. Yes, you are. Um, and I'll say, I, I think, almost across the board, this is an improvement over that first movie, which I, I liked it better than I was expecting, but I still overall think it's a relatively weak film from James Cameron. Uh, I think this is, across almost every angle, it's an improvement. I love all the water stuff. I could watch those isolated scenes all day long. I love it. Um, the plot itself works a lot better than that first movie, but still feels like a pretty standard blockbuster plot. And in that way, I don't think it's going to be one that I have a lot of... I'm going to get a lot from rewatching. Like, I'm not going to go back and discover new insights, characters, or the plot. So in that way, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go back to this all that often, and especially because of the length. I mean, who wants to sit down just on any day and watch a three-hour-long movie? That's a, that's a big commitment. So I do think that James Cameron will be better off in the future trying to s slim down his run times. I don't think that that's... <laughs> always the best way to go just keep getting more and more bloated as your career goes on that's i often find that a weakness with some filmmakers and i think james cameron has definitely had that over the past like five movies now um but i still definitely enjoyed the movie 
uh, for what it was more positive than I was with the first one. So let's go ahead, Eric. Um, I'll say that this is going to sound weird, but while I think this is a better movie than the first one, it's weird that I ranked the first, I, I rated the first one as five stars out of five. And I think I'm rating this one at four and a half out of five, even though I think this is the better movie overall, because what I already said, the first one had that this couldn't really duplicate fully was the first one just had this wow factor of holy shit holy shit you've never seen anything like this before because this didn't have that this had oh yeah i've seen this before but they've pushed it further but it's not that initial holy shit so that just is what it is um yeah i do think it's a better overall story (laughs) while i did like many characters in the first one that was me having like my unique tastes on the thing um because i know my opinions weren't widely held by anybody else at large about because i liked a lot of characters in the first one for ironic reasons but in this one overall the characters were just better through and through um even though i said this is like a big a part of a bigger thing i still think it's perfectly serviceable as a standalone movie within a larger structure um i do kind of feel like for this saga this avatar saga this is like our Chamber of Secrets, which is like, it's like the original, but a little bit deeper. But I think with the next one and going on, it's going to really, really shake things up a lot more, whatever happens, um, than what we saw in the first and second movie. That'd be nice. Um, I didn't even get, in this discussion, this preceding discussion, I didn't even get into like the 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 union-ness and the, what is it? Is it Joseph Campbell? Um, Monomyth and hero arc business. Um, I didn't even get into that as it pertains to this movie. But this movie has all that stuff in spades, double spades, triple spades. That's a whole, that could be a whole separate um, podcast discussion on its own. With things like the father saving the son and the son saving the father. That is like really important stuff in those monomyth type stories and like i said that's a whole other subject i didn't even touch upon um and i'm just glad that you reminded me of something when you mentioned james horner again because i thought the guy did okay um simon franklin um apparently he's the one who wrote the score for the pandora world in disney um so he's the same guy and but i guess he was a. Uh, in the music business, I guess he was an acolyte of, uh, of James Horner, um, so it makes sense. But something I noted that was kind of interesting, I thought, be- speaking of life after death, um, I thought it funny that you know I saw this movie, and also I've been watching the, the Willow series that has been out on Disney+, Plus, and I thought it funny that James Horner lives on in both of these um, products, because... Something I, I very much noticed is one of his signatures that still lives in this score is the the part that goes dun, 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 dun. I can't do it with my mouth. Dun, 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 dun. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Whenever it's like a sinister moment. That is such a James Horner signature. And I find it so crazy that that lives on in the Frangelin um, score for this movie. And whoever the person is who's scoring the Willow soundtrack for this Disney Plus series. I'm watching that series concurrently. And in the last episode that happened, 
last week. The same motif was because it's in the original Willow score too by James Horner. I just think it's so crazy that he he lives on by that um, post post death. I just think that's just a weird, interesting thing. Oh, but I guess if that uh, rounds out this this discussion on Avatar: The Way of Water, we can get to our kind of end end summary for this series and, and rank the films. Caleb, you're going first. Okay, and I actually haven't put much thought into this. But, but overall, I would say I've really enjoyed going through this this series. I've never done a, just a straight watch through of all the James Cameron films in, in sequence. So that, that's cool to mark that off. And uh, yeah, I think we've had a lot of fun podcasts. And here's my rating. So number one, it's got to be Aliens for me. Love Aliens. Um, I think number two is surprisingly Titanic. I do think, even though maybe that's not my... Uh, the one I'm going to be reaching for. I do think that's one of his absolute strongest efforts. So definitely that has to be number two. Uh, then Terminator. And then after that, it starts to get more wonky. Uh, after Terminator, I'd probably give it to uh, Terminator 2, then True Lies, then probably Avatar The Way of Water, and then, uh, and then maybe The Abyss, the director's cut, then Avatar. I think maybe... Or, I don't know, maybe the... Yeah, I think Avatar does go above the Abyss, so... Yeah, the Abyss is a lot more weak than I remember. <laughs> That's insane, to struggle over those two at the bottom. Uh, they're both very flawed for me. Very, very flawed. Uh, they're both around the 6 out of 10 range. So... Alright, this is going to take a while. Eric, go. Your, your list, please. I'm going to go bottom to top. Who starts at number one? You can't start at number one. I kind of agree, but like, fair enough. I'm starting at number seven. And I just did this really quickly because I didn't realize we were going to do this. Just just for me, I didn't know what was going to be at the bottom, so I, I needed some time to think it over. So I start at the top. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's, that's fine. And bear in mind, I've seen all these movies recently, except for Terminator. But that's fair. Um, number seven, I'm coming in with True Lies. Wait, number seven? Oh, sorry, eight. Hmm. Sorry, 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 sorry. I forgot to renumber. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> sorry, number eight, True Lies. Number seven would probably break a lot of people's brains, but I'm putting Terminator 2 at number seven. This doesn't mm. break my mind, but okay. <laughs> number six, I'm putting The Abyss. Number five, I'm putting the original Terminator. Number four, I'm putting Aliens. This is an outrage. Number th- Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's not. And I love that movie so much. It's just my love has just gone berserk for the ones I've placed upon above it. Mm. Three, I think, is the most difficult for me to rate because it's so freaking new right now. But three is Avatar 2. Um, two is the original Avatar which I think is inferior to Avatar 2. See, that sounds crazy, right? Yes. <laughs> and number one is Titanic. And I never would have thought that would have been my number one until I watched it recently. And you're right. A lot of these movies are not reach for movies on any frequent basis, but that doesn't mean they're not freaking amazing. And it was a transcendent experience watching Titanic again. Um, yeah. And whether I love or hate that movie, it's, it's fucking special in its own way. Yeah, excellent. Or should I say, uh, outstanding, to quote uh, Korich. <laughs> but go ahead, I Ah, yes, as he said again. All right, 
So in true Isaac fashion, oh, well. I am foregoing all conventional means and methods. You did it in binary? Uh, pretty much. So, oh, no. close. So, number one is indeed Aliens. It just, it has to be. And Aliens yep, Director's Cut. And I'm not going to put Director's Cuts or theatrical releases in here. Um, because I, I, I think that can be judged. I know you, I know Caleb probably can make a strong argument that uh, The Abyss and the, uh, the Abyss theatrical and then uh, Director's Cut are two different films entirely. Which yes. They are. Fundamental differences. Absolutely. Um, but for me, Aliens is number one. Um, I'm going to put number two as Terminator. Mm. Uh, oh, and no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm doing it. Um, this doesn't even make sense, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm doing it. Um, let's see. Terminator. Actually, that's it. Yeah. Terminator is there. And then number three, we have Titanic. We have Avatar. We have Way of Water. We have T2. Um, yeah. That's it. So that's six so far, and then for number four what? we have a tie. Yeah, no, I'm completely, I'm completely lost. Wait, what just happened? You just said that was six right there, and then we have number four. Hundred percent lost. As in six categorized in number three, and then for number four we have both the abyss and true lies. Oh Jesus, Web. Oh, you're, are you saying they were tied for third place? Yes, we have we have six in third in three play in, in third place. This is like a tier list almost. So number <laughs> one, it's got to be aliens. Terminator is number two. <laughs> T2, uh, both avatars. Um, so you're doing like a S, A, B, whatever. Yeah, but I'm stuff. treating it as like one, two, three, and four. Oh, God. Okay, I understand now. Yeah, let's let him, let's just let him say it and then we can. Because uh, I just can't, I, th- I honestly can't put them away. You can decoder I, rings, boys and girls, to understand this ranking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Or use the bionicle language. Um, so, anyways. Yeah, I just, I honestly think that those other, uh, those other four films literally are number three for me. I think they're all equal. I can't see them like better or, or worse, because uh, Titanic is just a mat is like really good, but uh, and it's really, uh, really moved me as well. But it can't get me it, like the original Terminator was just such a blast, um, and the original Aliens is just ah, it's so great. Um, but yeah, no, I put yeah T two Terminator or ter- sorry T two uh, Titanic, both avatars in s- slot number three, and then for number four we have the Abyss and True Lies. Uh, not in a, <laughs> not in a garbage category, certainly not. But uh, I think they were uh, in between films in a way. For for I know I probably said something else in like the actual uh, discussions we did, but I think ultimately that they're both like. Um, what is it? Jumping off? Or yeah, in between films for Cameron to learn stuff. Because if we didn't have the Abyss, we didn't would not have had the Way of Water. <laughs> and I do just uh, want to say about the Abyss. I think it's too bad. I was really expecting to come into this series and that one ranking up among the the highest. Because I loved that fucking thing when I was a kid. But man, it's it falls apart. It story wise, it falls apart in many ways. And that was just too bad. And it's way too long again. It's when his bloated issue started massively massively too long and doesn't serve the, the actual story but but anyway that's uh, that's neither here nor there but uh oh but uh thank the, the two of you for for coming along this journey i was i was very much looking forward to, to seeing how this would turn out and i think it's turned out very well and i very much appreciate you guys coming on for so many of these oh my pleasure i almost would have thought you would have felt trepidatious certainly not 
Thank you so much, sir. Nobody knows what exactly what I'm gonna say. <laughs> no, no, I, I think you added a lot to these conversations, and uh, and yeah, I guess uh, I guess we'll reconvene with James Cameron whenever Avatar three, I guess whatever that's gonna be called, comes out in 2024. Yeah. So and but, probably also talk about like the movie again, like a speakeasy, just because we'll probably actually have it on physical copy or watch it again and actually give it a. Well, I don't think this wasn't a fair shake, but more in-depth stuff if we knew stuff about it. Yeah, let's save that for another day, but for now we'll we'll close out this James Cameron series and and I guess Isaac, if you have anything to say here, I guess I'll you can fill it in. <laughs> um so I was wrong. I don't think I got my wish I wanted where I said I wanted this film to be, you know, the Hicks, Ripley and Newt and Bishop story. Uh, that I wanted from in Aliens, but I was still satisfied. And uh, also, Cameron said he was talking about how these, you know, these teenagers would have angst. I did not see any of them go through any uh, periods of. I mean, they had angst. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't see them have uh, a moment where they all of a sudden like wake up and there's a bunch of like white goopy stuff all around them and then going like ew what is all this stuff this is gross um and then they could apparently stick to walls and like had super strength and could shoot these white like objects you know at poles and suddenly make a costume out of it and had an affiliation with spiders i can't wait to see what spiders in this world look like like giant spiders like shilope it's gonna be fun but anyways thank you jimmy I will hopefully one day meet you, um, and yeah, no, I guess you're, you've made a much better, maybe, long-running idea than Star Wars. Um, till next time, everybody. <laughs> Premature. Peace. waiting for them to introduce elements like that they can bend the elements like, <laughs> just turn it into avatar i'm assuming that they're gonna do earth like i know they did forest but i assume they're gonna do actually they could do the whole like chinese elements yeah just just before you give your answer eric just because isaac brought up avatar last airbender uh when i got up to use the washroom after the movie ended and you were still in there there was yep. this kid in the the washroom there talking to his dad and he was like you know i, th I think this is going to tie into avatar last airbender this tv show that i really like he was like, yeah, they've also got these avatars that they use, and they've also got, like... And I was like, what is this kid talking oh, about? Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, has this kid seen that show? And 
Oh, buddy. But he looked like he was like seven, so maybe he just wasn't fully paying attention. Oh my goodness. Oh, please. We're going to talk about our, the Avatar connection, don't worry.